Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, Shkoyah for coming tonight. Welcome to tonight's share with Coach Menachem Bernfeld. And joining us, I know tonight's Super Bowl, so the other one's here is Mamash Chashev. Coming to spend time to learn in Yannick Kedusha. Appreciate you guys coming tonight. Share 132 with Let's Get Real and Coach Benachem Berenfeld. I always start off very first thanking all the people that come on every week and that post it on their WhatsApp statuses, they email to their friends and family, let people know about it. Like I say every week, my, my, not every topic might interest you, but it might interest other people, let people know about it. People don't even know it. And again, like Rav Moshe Weinberg says, we're here to talk it out. And to really get some chizik and yonim. If anybody wants to join the WhatsApp, uh, the, I can send the flyers over. You can WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066, 848-525-0066. Or you can go to menachemberfel.com and you can sign up for the email flyers every week when uh, he sends out the, the flyers of the speakers and he uh, sends out the replays. We'll show the replay of this year later tonight. You get emailed to be in the know. So please sign up. All the people that are watching the replay of this video on YouTube, you can click on the subscribe button to subscribe every every week to get the notification when all the new stream go up. And you can also click on the like button so more people can see the share. Well, the first, we'll start off thanking all of our advertising sponsors that promote us online, the Lakewood Scoop here on Lakewood, Ellie and Ariel from Five Town Central, Kyla Kaufman from JCN Jewish Content Network, for always promoting us on all the Jewish digital platforms. Coach Manapham Show is collaborating with OK Clarity to bring greater health and wellness to the Jewish community around the globe. OK Clarity is the online platform for mental health support in the Jewish community. On OKClarity.com, you will find the best therapists, coaches, including Arav Hagoyen Hatzadik, Coach Menachem Berenfeld, and nutritionists. Menachem, we do nutrition also. Engage in forums and stay inspired. Links will be sent out via the email, and Menachem will put it out. Again, for anybody joining here, every Sunday night at 9.30, Kamat, Kamat, three years, Kamat. It's going to be soon the, 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 the anniversary in March. Of the sheer starting. So uh, every Sunday night at 9 30, you have tremendous rabbonim, therapists, will come on to be mechazik on different yonim. Next week, sheer February 19th, it's going to be amazing. Sheer Rabbi Shlomo Slatkin, he's from Baltimore. He's a certified Imago relationship therapist. He's an advanced clinician and he's a certified Imago workshop presenter. He has weekend retreats all over the world with different couples, yidin, not yidin. Um, it's going to be an amazing topic. Please join us next week at 9 30. The topic is finally fix your relationship problems and saving. Your marriage, imago therapy, a fresh approach to marriage counseling, something unique. Imago therapy, I'm not so familiar with it. Next week, we're going to learn a lot of new things. So please join. It should be a very powerful and meaningful program. And uh, everybody could use help in Yonah Shalom Bias. So please let people know about it. Tonight's year, we have Tzchus in the honor of having Shmuel Zucker, the Rav Ramatashkol, and very well known person. I got a lot of texts, people know him. I saw some videos from him, Fearing Atish. So much when you fear the next shish, I'm going to fly in just to be part of it. It looks like Haile Gazachan. So much Shem, we get a lot of chizik in tonight. We're going to talk about some Hoyach and Yonim. And we're going to get back to him in a minute. And we're going to start the shir. We're going to first be Machabed, Yamoid, Rabbi Noyach, to give tonight's Gematria of the shir. 132. Rabbi Noyach, what's 132 in the gate tonight's shir? Today's shir, 132. We're going to be discussing dealing with Kedusha in our generation. The Torah speaks about Kedusha. The second pasuk in Parshas Kedoshim, Torah says, "Daber called Aldas bnei Yisrael v'Mata aleim Kedoshim tiu 
So you see that the names of Hashem, which is which is we're referring to Kedoshim to you, is Hashem Elikeichem. So I feel it's very apropos that today's share 132 is Gematia Hashem Elikeichem. We should all be inspired in Yonah Kedusha. Okay, now that we did the Gematria, we're going to turn it to Coach Menachem Berenfeld. What are we doing here tonight? A lot of things to do tonight, but we came here. What do we, what do we, what do we come here tonight for? What's that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome, everyone, to another Let's Career with Coach Menachem, share number 132, Bar Hashem. And I do want to thank you all for the feedback that we got. Last week we had Rabbi Manus Friedman discussing Amuna, Itochen, Ishtadlis, and um, a lot of people got physic. Other people have questions and whatever it is, uh, feedback is always welcome. You can always send it to coachmenachem at gmail.com. And tonight we have this host to have with us, Rabbi Zucker from Ramana Shkol. And like Rabbi Asha said, we've heard feedback. And I personally hear from the Mispalon, Vesmedrish, how he's Mashpia, and it helps, it helps the Oilem become closer to Hashem. Tonight's topic in Yoni Kedusha. It has many aspects to it, and uh, everybody in their age can relate to it, whatever it is, whether it's going out to work. Um, being on the streets today's days is a real struggle, being in an office. And uh, even though we're at, you know, those who went out to work and many hours at work, how to be able to stay connected with our mission, with our Yiddishkeit, and to stay connected to Hashem, whether it's with our shiurim and bismedrish, because the topic, the idea is, is, is a struggle. For many, it's a real struggle. And I do want to mention, there are, there are people who struggle with an addiction. And for those, should reach out for professional help. Because sitting at home and uh, trying to figure out on your own is not the way to do it. And then there are those who might be at work, you know, might be in the world already for many years and might not even show up tonight thinking this topic is not Negea for me. It, you know, it is what it is and probably gave up already. And if you're here tonight, Ashrecha, because this is a topic that's Negea for everybody and we always need Chizik. We always need to figure out where are we, if we're, how to hold strong, what are the Gedarim that we should make. It used to be the, the differences between in the by the Hasidisha and the Litvisha. By the Hasidisha, maybe they spoke more about it, and by the Litvisha less. I think today's days everybody is masking that it's something that we need to talk about to the Bacharim, the Light. It's something that has to be discussed because that's the first, the first thing, the first problem that could be is that if somebody struggles and doesn't have anyone to talk to know where to reach out. There are many adults that are still need to heal from when they were younger, knowing that they're doing something wrong, not being able to talk to anybody about it. And then they believe they're doing a virus and then Hashem hates them. And all their life, they're walking around with these ideas. And later on in their life, they're trying to figure out why they're not Matzliyah. They always feel like a failure. And sometimes they can end up in therapy realizing that it all comes from when they were younger, how they look at their, themselves, what ideas they walk around. So, Baruch Hashem, we have this first tonight to have Rabbi Zucker with us 
And anything that comes up, any question, any ideas, submit Shem should be able to be machazik ourselves, to be able to go to the next level, to hold on strong, hold on tight, because that is the tachlis, and it's Hashem with that, to become closer to Hashem, closer to ourselves, and to vax as Klal Yisrael. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Okay, let's get into tonight's shir. Tonight's shir is titled, A Bentire in Today's Working World, and Dealing with the Insanities of Kedush in Our Generation. That's the topic. We're going to get into it, Shem. Or we're going to open up in a minute. We're going to do tonight's share. Two things I want to talk about. First of all, tonight is a very close uh, friend of my father-in-law's. He Hi. ran Wits for many years in, uh, in Wisconsin. Rabbi Waxman, tonight's is your type. So I'm not going to share tonight. In the discuss of Rabbi Fawil Kassil ben Yosef Baruch. Mishan Mishan Aliyah from all the hundreds of people, the thousands of people that comment tonight and the tens of thousands that listen to it. His husband is a very, very heilige yid. The second thing I want to talk about is an organization that I'm very involved with, and uh, I'm going to read a little bit of, about what they do, and it means a lot to me, so here we go. So you can imagine the gut-wrenching feeling of parents when their children struggles with Yiddishkeit. These feelings are impossible to describe. Guilt, blame, shame, hopelessness, uncertainty. Having a child also there wrecks havoc on a family and erupts in a vicious storm that threatens to destroy a family. Sadly, thousands of families are traveling through these hard waters until six years ago, there was nowhere for these parents to go to get answers, support, guidance, or inspiration. They just felt judged and misunderstood. Finally, Kesha Nafshi was born, and thousands of parents found warmth, understanding, answers, support, guidance from world-renowned mechanical professionals who were in the same boat, carrying the same baggage. Dear friend, I've seen firsthand the work of Kesha Nafshi. Me and my wife attend almost all their Shabbatons and all their events. I can say with certainty there's no other organization in the world like it. They save thousands of families in Yiddishkeit dealing with their children. They've returned stability to thousands of homes. They gave thousands of parents the tools to skill to navigate their crisis. And the results are astonishing. They started a campaign, which is a charity campaign starting this week. But I'm talking about it now. And everybody could please uh, help me. I'm trying to raise the money for the organization. And I don't really try to push on anybody. But this is such a chashu thing. And it's such a tremendous tzarech and klaizrael, especially today's day and age. So, uh, we're going to post it on the chat. We're going to send it out. Please donate whatever you could. My some money. It's really helping. I've seen firsthand myself tremendous things that have helped many, many families get through very difficult times and give a lot of physic and really reunite families. It's an unbelievable organization. If you, if you yourself are dealing with a, you know, a struggling kid, please reach out to them. It's tremendous physic and a family of support. Tonight we have the Schuster of Shmuel Zucker. I'm going to read his bio and then I'm going to give him the floor. Shmuel Zucker was born in Golders Green, England. Attended prestigious yeshivas in Gateshead. Be'er Yaakov and spent formative years in Yeshiva's Mir and Yushalayim. The Rav was influenced greatly by the Tzadiki and Lubavitcher Chosid, Reb Moshe Weber itself from Yushalayim, and is a close Talmud of the Amshan of Rebbe, Reb Yitzhak Meir Morgenstern, Zilber, his mastery of every part of the Torah, dynamic, warmth, personality, passion, Rav Oydis Hashem, and original penetrating Divrei Torah. He's currently the Rav of Kehilas Koydish, Beis Shloyme, Ramat Eshkol. Shmuel Zuchas, host to have you with us tonight. Thank you for waking up. 4.30 a.m. I'm sure you wake up every day anyway that time, but uh for coming here and spending time with us. The floor is yours. Open it up. Okay. Good morning. Good evening. Wherever you are. Uh, it's a big schuss. I, I didn't, I didn't know, I knew very little of this because uh, I'm not really on computer, but it sounds great and uh, it's reaching out to so many people and it's cool. So first of all, I'd like to wish you all tremendous atzlacha. You should have success and siyat d'shmaya b'chol yadoichem. Um, because this is the Tzorah HaShah, to be Mechazek people. And, uh, you know, when I heard of the title, so, uh, you know, something that it's, we could talk hours and hours on it. 
and uh, you know, therefore, I'm going to give like a short, short, like a short opening, and then it's welcome for people to, to to call in to ask. There's one misconception that I see the whole time, every day. You know, I teach during the day at Isha Torah, which has a lot of different types, cultures and orthodox and from people that that, that, that slid down and there's so many different people. And there's one major misconception uh, that there is in this generation with all the struggles. And that is a lot of people think, a lot of people underestimate the tremendous avoida and the nachasruach that Hashem gets from the struggle itself. It is a generation where everybody's struggling. It's not a generation that if you're struggling, you're a bad person. Why are you thinking of all these things? Why are you struggling? Why, why, are, you can't, why are you allowing these things to enter your mind? This is the generation. It's a generation where this is the avoida. The Tanya writes that there are people that their avoida in life is struggling, is fighting with the Yitzhahar. There's other people that have different avoidas. The same thing is with generations. There are some generations in the times of Shlom HaMelech, they all just sat there. There was wealth, there was prosperity, there was clarity, there was chosma, there was everything. There's different generations. Our generation is a generation where we're out at war. We're really out at war. It's the last generation before Mashiach comes. And uh, there's many proofs of this, but this is not for now. I once had the Shia every one year, every week to give twice a week a share on how close we are and proving how close we are to the Gula. This is the final battle. This is a Melchama. And HaKadosh Baruch has chosen us to be part of this generation and to be the fighters, the fighters of Hashem. You know, there's a there's a famous Maranaim. Maranaim writes that there's a lot, the king has two types of loyalties. The king has his advisors that sit with him every day and they run the country and they turn up at the palace every day and they sit there and they advise the king. They have a drink, they have good food, they have an air-conditioned, nice, comfortable chairs. And then the king has his soldiers. The soldiers have never seen the king. They've never seen the capital where the king's palace is. And they're out scorched in the summer and freezing in the winter and they're fighting. And they're fighting and they're fighting. Who does the king have his main nachas ruach from? Where does the king really have nachas from? The nachas that the king has really from people who are most nefesh, from the people who are struggling, from the people who are fighting. What are these soldiers out there fighting for? They're fighting for the love of the king. They're fighting for the patriotism of the king. And this is what our generation really is doing. Our generation is, 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 is a generation that's really fighting. We're fighting a war. We have to realize that we were chosen to be Hashem's frontline soldiers. You know, here in Israel, in the secular world, the dream of every secular every secular kid growing up is to be in the most accepted and the most elite unit in the army. HaKadosh Baruch has chosen us to be in Hashem's elite, elite forces. He's put us on the battlefield here, which is very difficult. So a person has to know that this itself is the greatest of Hashem, that we're fighting and we're fighting and we're fighting. It's a struggle. I've heard commonly people say, and this is a terrible mistake. People tell me, they say, Rabbi, I'd just love to get over this Muhammad that I can get on with Avodah Hashem. I want to get on with Avodah Hashem. I want to learn with a clear mind. I want to daven with a clear mind. I want to get over this that I can begin my Avodah Hashem. That's a terrible misconception. Avodah Hashem is the struggle. Of course, if you overcome the struggle, Yaakov Avinu also wanted to overcome the struggle. Bikish Yaakov Leisha He also didn't want the struggles. But that's not what Hashem had in, had in store for him, had in mind for him. Is this what we have to realize? We have to realize that the struggle itself is the greatest of Hashem. A person walks in the street and keeps his, keeps his eyes down. There was a kid in Eshat Torah two, three years ago. He, saw, he said to me, you know, in the old city today, unfortunately, it's a holy place, but it's full of thousands and thousands of tourists going, hanging out there, tours coming the whole time. And the, the streets in the old city are so narrow, and it's sometimes almost impossible to walk in the street. And he, I said to him, I said, you know what, if you, I later found out that this is something that the Heli Geshem Ramun and Rav Ayan Rat used to say. I said, if you walk through the old city with Shmir Sinayim, 
you can come back and you can messiah him hadron Allah as if you finished the Masechta. I heard of the Helga Shemri Munim used to tell people this is in his days, many, many years ago. And he lived in Mesharam. I don't think he knew what Rechav Yafar and King George looked like. But he said in the streets where he lived, he said if a person walks down a small street with Shmir Sinaim, he should make a him that he finished a small Masechta. He said if a person walks down a big street with Shmir Sinaim and he gets to the end of the street and he succeeded, then he has to make a him on something equivalent to Baba Basra. In other words, this is a tremendous Avedis Hashem. I told the kid, I told this kid in Eshatar this. He walked down the old city, came back. He said it's a life changer. He said he's finished Masechtas, but he's never had such a good feeling. This is the, this is this is an integral part of, 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 of Avedis Hashem in today's generation. The battle itself, the battle itself is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous Avedis. And this is what we have to realize that HaKadosh Baruch has so much Nachas Ruach. The whole idea of yeosh, the whole idea of people just despair, people give up. You got to know that this is something that's again, people in this generation is suffering from yeosh like no other generation. And this, you have to know that this, the, the idea, the concept of yeosh of giving up, of feeling this is who I am and I can't, cannot change. That's mamish coming imported directly from Esau, from Amalek. The first dialogue that Yaakovinu has with Esau. Esau says the following line: "Hine anochi hoylech lomos." I'm going to die. I'm going to die. What do you mean I'm going to die? What does Hoylech Lamas mean? Hoylech, I'm walking to die. A person drops dead. He does, he's not a Hoylech Lamas. But the answer is that Asa felt that he's in a certain mold. He can't climb out. And therefore, he's just going closer and closer. Another Yerida and another Yerida and another Yerida. It's coming from Asa, but it's coming from Amalek. And that's why the story of Purim, the Jews had never been in such a terrible, dire situation. The, the, the decree against them was decreed not just down here, it was decreed up in Shemaim, as the Gemara says. But yet, nevertheless, we, we got out of that. A person must never be Miyayish. A person has to know that Yehosh, giving up, is a non-Jewish concept. It's a non-Jewish concept. The Jewish people know they, they, they know how to get up and they know how to move on. There's a famous Moshe that was given from the Heliger Rabbi Ankele. There was a, I'm from Europe. Rabbi Ankele in Antwerp, there was a big tzaddik called Rabbi Ankele, the Pshavoska Rebbe. And he was on his way to Daman once in the snow, in the winter. And he saw this wealthy diamond merchant slipping in the snow and falling down. And uh, Rabbi Ankala humorously said, a diamond merchant, a wealthy diamond merchant, he's not allowed to slip on the snow. It's below his dignity, he's not allowed to fall. So Rabbi Ankala said, but you know what the most amazing thing was? This guy was an elderly guy and he hurt himself and he was black and blue, he had a bad fall. But somehow he got up and he looked around to make sure that nobody was watching. He's made sure that nobody, God forbid, caught him red-handed slipping on the snow. And he carried on walking to shul, and he was he was he should have been limping, and he was walking straight that nobody should hop that he fell. Rabbi Ankala said, This is what you have to learn. This is a lesson in Avodah Hashem. How to fall, everybody knows. How to get out, that's what you have to learn from this Jew. A person has to get up and he has to carry on walking. And there was Sadiqim that said, Don't do children when you're lying down. Don't do tshuva when you're in the midst of nefila. A person can only do tshuva from a safe place. You've got to be walking. You've got to be back. You've got to be safe. You've got to be firmly on your two feet before you decide to do tshuva. And when a person does tshuva, there are a lot of tzaddikim, especially for bachrim. They said when it comes to nesiyonis with kedusha, it says a bachar, it's not for a bachar to, to delve into the tshuva and to try to really, really do tshuva while he's still undergoing the nesiyonis. Get to a safe place. When you get to a safe place, is then you can start thinking back, then you can start looking back, and you can start doing tshuva. And this is really, this is really the number one lesson that a person has to know. It's a battle. You know, Rapsodic says the most unbelievable thing. Rapsodic says that there was a generation called the Dora Marble, and the generation of the flood, they succumbed and they felt the immorality, as Rashi brings in the Postgres. The Ava, the love, the lust 
their desires, they're all channeled off in, a, in the wrong direction. And the Zoya Kodesh says that the same Neshamas from the Dara Mabal, the same Neshamas, they all came back and they were the generation that left Mitzrayim. And they left Mitzrayim with such love to Hashem, with such blind love to Hashem that they followed Hashem into the desert. He says the love that they had for Hashem, the same Neshamas that had love for the for negativity back in the generation of Dara Mabal, they rectified, the same Neshamas rectified this now by the love for Hashem, they just followed Hashem into a desert. And says Reb Tzadik, an unbelievable thing in his days. He says, the generation that's going to see Mashiach is going to be the love of the Dara Mabal and the love of the Jews that left Mitzrayim coming together. And it's a fight and it's a battle. And he said this many, many years ago, many decades ago, before this generation. And you see that his words have just come true. You see that this is a fight. On one hand, you have people that are following Hashem, Bali Tshuva, Geirim, Bali Tshuva, and people are mischazik, they're following Hashem out of love for Hashem. And there's other people, Nebuch, that are falling for the for the lusts and for the avarice of the generation of the Daramabal. It's a war. We have to realize that we're fighting. We have to be on the right side of the wall. We have to be on the right side. And the right side is we have to realize that Hashem loves us and Hashem is our father. And the Ban Shem Tov says that every Yid is loved by Hashem like he's a Ben Yochid of Hashem. Every Jew is an only child of Hashem. And a father understands a father understands the trials and tribulations of a son. And the father encourages the son. A person has to encourage himself. A person has to know that Hashem is not mevazer, any avoider. There's a pasuk in Tehillim talking about tefillah. And the Dovina Melech says in Tehillim, this is something that has to be written for the final generation. This is how Tzadikim touched, interpreted this Posek. Hashem is not mavazer anybody's filler. Hashem is not mavazer anybody's avoider. In a generation like this, any little thing that you can do means so much to Hashem. The, the, the Heliger of Nassim begins Likuta Alochas, and he says a person's got to grab onto the Ma'at, he's got to grab onto anything he can. Every person has so much good to him. I told boys once in Yeshiva, I said, write down, with all the readers that you're going through, write down how many things you did for Hashem's sake. Write down where you would have been if you wouldn't have had any, any Yerushalayim Bechlal. If a person wouldn't have any, any Yerushalayim, if a person wouldn't have a Machshava, I should do it, I shouldn't do it, he'd be a thousand times worse than he really is. As bad as you think you are, you're still a Yid, and you still have Herhure Tshuva, and you're still hoping and davening, and you're depressed, and you're, you've got anxiety because you want to be better, you want to be better, you want to cling to Hashem. That itself, that itself is such a strong machshava. Hold on to the ma'at, hold on to the bit that you have, and, and, and focus on the ma'at, focus on the toiv, focus on the toiv Hashem lakoil. Hashem is toiv, Hashem just wants us the good, and every Yid has so much goodness in him. Ma'at or Just like before we left Mitzrayim, there was a plague of it was really, really dark. But the Jews cling to the light. And therefore, the light that they saw was a light where they could see through and they had an ear and eyesight that could penetrate through anything. We're living in a generation which, which is like the Makas Choshech. We're living in a generation that's very, very dark. We have to cling full to light. And therefore, a person, I've heard, you know, I've heard from from, from you, Hevra, you told me that the, the few comments that people made before the share is they feel a despair. They feel that for years and years, they've just been, you know, they've just been out of it. I heard recently somebody, somebody wanted to 
Somebody told, Abel Zachoset told the Rosh Hashiva, he says, I'm living a life with my strimal, but he says, my mind isn't somewhere, my mind is somewhere else. He says, I'm a kiddish to my kids, Friday night, I'm a kiddish. And he says, I'm sitting here in Kiras Bells, but my mind is somewhere else. A person has to know that train yourself, work on yourself minute by minute, try to focus for five minutes, try to focus for 10 minutes. It's a very big etzatoyba for a person to take upon himself small things. Mishnayis, Mishnayis is neshama, oisius neshama. A person, I've seen hundreds of stories, perhaps thousands, of people that change their lives around by taking upon themselves Mishnayis every day. One Mishnah, two Mishnahs, three Mishnahs. When it comes to when it comes to a time, learn some holy Nigunim, sing some Nigunim, you're alone in the room, sing some Nigunim to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Sing, and it comes to a Shabbos, just sit and just just enjoy Kedusha, just enjoy Kedusha. I had a story recently, somebody called me, it was almost midnight, and he said, I'm undergoing this terrible read, what should I do, help me out of it. I told him, you know what, get out of the house, Go to a shul. Told him to go to my shul. I said, you know, get in, put the lights on, just sit in the shul. Just sit in the shul. Just look around. Just look around the ambience of a shul. Don't do anything. Don't even open a safe if you can't. He, he, he told me the next morning, Imamish saved him. In this generation, a person's just going to think, and he's just going to be misbinding what, what, how good it means to mean a Jew. Look at where the goyim are. Look at where their mind is. Look at where their mind is. Look at what they're talking about. You know, bottom they come to yeshiva after six months, they go back to America, they hear the words that are used in the streets over there. They haven't heard those words for six months. And then they realize what a high madrega they are. Then they realize what it means to be a yid. Then it means, then they realize what it means to the, the, the Havdalah, Hamavdal ben Yisrael Amen. Ayid is connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, the, 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 the Zaya Kodesh is Machmer. The Zaya Kodesh talks about the idea when it comes to the Nyonim of Kedusha. He says that person, Chasr that is Poygim in Kedusha, it's very difficult to have a Kapara to do Tshuva. On the other hand, we see that the Svarim, that the Svarim Akdashim talk about the tremendous Tikkunim that a person can have from all these Chatayim. Because when it comes to Kedusha, Kedusha is the essence of a Jew. It's impossible. It's impossible for a Jew to break out of that Kedusha. It's the essence, the core essence of a the reason why Kedusha, Kedusha is a bris, the reason why all these inyanim are so essential because they are the core of, of Yahadus. So that's why if a person is pegeah in them, he's pegeah in the core of, of Judaism. But on the other hand, he can't break away from that because a yid is a yid. So this is itself is a tremendous, a tremendous chizik. Everybody should feel the chizik and everybody should realize that this is our generation and you are elite soldiers in Hashem's unit, in Hashem's army. And therefore, chas v'shalom to despair, chas v'shalom to follow Esau's path, Amalek's path, of Yehosh, Hitler, when he saw things are not going well for him, he committed suicide. He thinks things were going well for him. He was unbelievable, Yemach Shemoy. But his, 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 sir, his lectures and how he, how, he, how he got people going, things start going not, not too well for him. That's it. That's the end. He commits suicide. A Yid must never be like that. A Yid can always be Mechazik himself. Hashem should help everybody that we should be Zerchem and Hashem to continue fighting and to realize what a schus it is and how fortunate we are to be in this generation and to be in Hashem's army and even if there's casualties, every war has casualties, but nevertheless Baruch is looking over every single Jew and Hashem is appreciating every single Jew and when a person's shaymer his mind and his dibur and his actions, he becomes a merkava he becomes a place, he becomes an abode for Hashem to dwell into. I'll just leave off Mamish another minute with a marshal, a beautiful marshal from the from the from the from the Heligan Melech. The Nomad Melech writes that kings back in the day used to enjoy hunting. They used to go out with a few bodyguards, they used to go out into the forest to hunt. And he says, one night, he says there was a terrible storm and there was, it was pouring and it was pitch black and it was cloudy and it was night, and the king lost sight of all his guards, and he was alone. 
drenched through and through. And he had nobody, he had nobody, there's no communications then. And he lost himself and he sees a light in the distance and he sees there's a little hat and he knocks on the door and he says, I'm the king, I'm the king. I need safe haven, I need warmth. And this old peasant opens up with his wife. He lets them in and he says, you know, the king, we've only got wooden benches over here. We've only got wooden forks over here. All we can do is cook up for you a hot potato and we can give you a, a mug, an earthenware mug. And then you can sit on the floor by the fire. And the king felt like a five-star hotel. And the king said, the next morning, woke up, you guys saved me. When you come back to my palace, you get the five-star treatment. He says, the Shekhinah is wandering around in the world of today, and he's got no safe haven. And the Ani Hashem, 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 the Shekhinah is wandering. He has no base amygdala. He has no place. Says the anybody that opens his heart, anybody that opens his mind, anybody that opens him, says to the Shekhinah, come inside, reside in me, feel comfortable in me. He's allowing the, the, the Shekhinah to find safe haven in this goddess. When a person purifies his mind, when a person realizes that if I'm focusing now on Shmiras HaMachshava, on Shmiras Inayim, on Shmiras HaLev, he has to realize that he's, 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 he is this, even though he has other things in his heart, he's like the hat, he's like the small light that the Shechinah Dosha is seeking and the Shechinah Dosha is knocking on the door and he's saying, let me in. And when the Besamikdosh is built, HaKadosh Baruch is going to invite all those Yidin that helped him and gave him safe haven in their little hut, in their little minds, amidst all the rain going on outside. And in that everybody should be mischazik themselves in the last moments, just before the end of the Holocaust, there was a death march. And the closing Rebbe, the Heilige closing Rebbe, the Shef Achayim, was encouraging Jews. He was telling them, just march on, a drop more, and a drop more, and a drop more. The war is over. The war is over. The war is over. The Americans are bombing. We're about to be liberated. Just move on another few steps and another few steps. And there were Yidin that didn't have Koyach, but there were Yidin and he was Mechazik and they made it and they built beautiful generations. We're Mamish at the end of Golis. We're the end of Golis. There's no cause for despair. The Or the of the, the Gula, the bells of the Gula, we're hearing already. We're hearing there's so many Simonim. So I'm begging everybody just to hold on and to be Mechazik and Amit Hashem, we should all meet together. And then I want to, we can, we can learn together. I want to have to get up at four o'clock in the morning. We can all learn Israeli time together. Be Yushalayim Yerakoydish. Ben Bias Goyal Tzedek Mherb Yameinu. Amen. Amen. Shkayach. Rabbi Zuka, beautiful. I'm holding on. I'm here. Okay. It was supposed to have Rabbi Zuka here. Everybody, we have questions. Let's ask questions. She had to answer. We're going to take a little poll for a minute, Rabbi Zuka. We're going to take a little break. I'm going to figure a few shilas, and then we're going to get into it, okay? Yeah. Okay, it's three questions we put over here. We can look at the screen. Um, three questions. Number one. What do you feel about Nisanius of Kedusha holiness in today's world? What's your opinion? Three options. Most difficult time, most difficult than it's ever been in today's generation. That's option A. Option B, the issues are the same that it's always been. There's always been the same issues, just different versions of it. And option three, overall better since there's much more awareness and there are filters today. That's the first question. Second question. What do you think people should do to safeguard themselves before going into the work world? The world. Number one, connect with a Rebbe, Chaburo, Shul, connect with somebody to, you know what I mean? To help you. Number two, learn Musar. Number three, make boundaries to safeguard yourself. Third question. Do you personally feel since you left Yeshiva Seminary the challenges got harder? Question mark. Yes, it is much harder than I thought. B, no, it's actually dealing with it better than I thought. Or C, I'm not sure myself where I'm holding. So those are the three questions. Everybody answer it. Vote. Give your opinions. Then we'll review it together. And Mr. Shem will get into it. a lot of questions tonight. We'll try to cover Rabbi Zucker. We'll get into it, okay? Five seconds. Not going to talk to me? No. 
I can't hear. Come here. I'm just wondering if everybody can answer because I don't see anybody answering. No, no, no I see it. It's here. It's another good guys here. Hang on. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to share it. Let me see it now. Got it. Okay. So it says, what do you feel about concerning and Kedusha and Holis in today's world? Three options. Rabbi Zucker, 83% of the people here tonight feel that it's most difficult than it's ever been. Only 10% of the people feel it's the same that it's always been. And only 7% feel overall it's better, even though we have, because we have awareness of filters. That's the first question. Second question. What do you think people should do to safeguard themselves before going into the world? 53, 53%, 53% of people say they should connect with the Rebbe, a Chabur, a Shul, connect to help them. Only 6% said learn Musr. 41% of people say make boundaries, Gedarim, and safeguard yourself. And the third question, do you feel since you left Yeshiva Seminary, the challenges got harder? 62% of people said yes. It's much harder than they thought. Only 90% no. And 18%, I'm not sure where I'm holding. Do you want to review the questions with Eilam and see, uh, see what yeah, you see? I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the, the guys answered you're very accurate on all three questions. It's definitely in these areas, it's definitely the most the most difficult it's ever been. And like, you know, we discussed that in the in the, in the, in the Torah just before. Um, it's definitely in, in areas of Kedush, there's always been different generations. But uh, the idea, see, the, 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 the problem of today is that the, the difficulties of today are addictions. They addict people. And I'll be Svarim, this has to do with the Nun Tumah, which Sadiqim have said that we're in today. In other words, we're dealing with addictions today. I don't just mean addictions on drugs, addictions on, 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 on the internet. Generally speaking, Nisyonis and Taivas and Yetzirahs that people have today, they're addicted to it. And uh, addiction is, is something that's very, very difficult. And one needs something extremely powerful, extremely powerful to drag a person away from addictions. In other words, you know, there are therapies and there are, you know, there are these centers that help people getting away from addictions. But in terms of Kedusha, in terms of Avodah Hashem, this generation is a generation where people are addicted to things. And that's why it's definitely the most difficult generation ever been. The second question was also very, very answered very, very accurately. In other words, a person's got to strongly connect to a source of inspiration and a source of Kedusha. Connect Connecting to a Rebbe, connecting to a Tzaddik, connecting to a Chabura, and, you know, connecting to, to, to a Shul. I just want to tell you, one of my Mechatonim told me that the, the Amshan of a Rebbe in America, he was a very great man, he's not so well known, but he lived in Barapak, he was Nifta many years ago. And one of my Mechatonim was an Ish Kaddish, and he asked the Amshan of a Rebbe Zetzal, what should, what should you do, Chizuk, what should you do as Chizuk every morning? So they thought he was going to give them Maramakoimus of Rashi's Chachma and Sifri Kabbalah and Sifri Musa. He said, make sure after davening every day, you sit down, you have a Lachaim, and uh, you know you share a bit of the Torah, you have some cake, uh, five, ten minutes after davening, and that should keep you that should keep you going. The idea of connecting to a Chabura, <clears throat> connecting to friends, connecting to a Rebbe, connecting to a Shul is, 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 is vitally important. I just want to add on that Nakuda, and that is the most important thing for a working person. And every person, you've got to know this, and it's a mitzvah to spread. A lot of people, a lot of people keep their ruchnis for the end of the day. You know, they get up in time to quickly go to shul, which is a problem of itself. You don't quickly go to shul. I mean, you quickly go to shul, but you dumb slow. And, uh, you know, a person keeps their avoida for the evening when they come back from work. That's a very, very, very bad mistake. A person's got to realize better go to sleep early at night and get up early in the morning and have your main seder limud early in the morning. 
I have a Talmud who lives in the five towns and he gets up, he's married already for 20 years and he gets up every morning like 5.30, 5 or 5.30. He learns one and a half, two hours before davening. He davens and he drives to work or I think he just drives to work and he catches a minion there and they're learning there. If you start your day off properly, if you begin your day properly, if you begin your day with Torah, and tefillah is Torah's magna matzah, Torah protects you. It's a very, very strong protection. This is vital, it's essential, and it's mamish, and it's, you know, it's mamish, a life and death. To get up early in the morning, to begin your day properly, to have a good share, to have a shul that you're comfortable to learn. A lot of people enjoy learning at home. It might be better not to learn at home. It might be better to just have a shul, to have the ambience and to have the, the, the vibrance of learning. We see other people learning and a person should begin his day. If you daven for 45 minutes, an hour, and you learn for an hour and a half, you're leaving after two and a half, three hours of Avodah Hashem, it's essential and that's a lifesaver. So that's definitely a person should have a shul, should have a chabura, should have a tzaddik that he's close to, that is definitely, uh, definitely answered very accurately. Um, the third question, I think, was the same as the first question, if I'm not mistaken. No, if, is it better? Is, it's a personal question. Since they, you know, went into the work world after Yeshiva and Seminary, do they feel that it's taka challenges are hard? And 62% of the people say that it was much harder than they thought it actually would be. Yeah. I want to tell you something. I don't want to sound controversial, but I feel I have to say it. You know, I'm careful. I don't like sounding controversial. But uh, there's a very big problem of today, and that is that people, when they're coiled, they're not trained for the challenges when they go out to work. In other words, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of people who are told, they feel that they, you know, that they're, they're yidin as long as they go to coil, as long as they're in coil. But when they leave that, he said, basically they're just, you know, they're not the same people anymore. They've plummeted, they've, they've gone down a hundred levels partially by leaving and going to work. That's a terrible mistake. And a lot of people are, are told like that. And unfortunately there's a lot of seminaries that are teaching the girls, you know, that they pound the girls that you have to marry. The guy's going to learn his whole life. He's going to learn his whole life. He's going to learn his whole life. He's going to learn his whole life. And therefore, without saying anything, they're basically saying that if your husband decides after a year or two or three, four, he's an Erlicher guy, but he decides, you know, he's not being supported. He wants to go out to work. Straight away, they start, you know, the girls get a shock and they start looking at them down. They start looking at them and says, whoa, this is not exactly who I thought. You know, when I was dating, I was I thought I was marrying this Rukhaim Kanievsky. I know somebody today who's Somebody in my Kehillah or whatever is, is close to me. He's got a, a daughter in Shaduch and he says he, he doesn't know what to do. And she keeps on saying she only wants to marry the next Rukhaim Kanievsky. She doesn't know. She can't find the next Rukhaim Kanievsky. She doesn't know what Rukhaim Kanievsky looked like when he was 20. Um, people have to train. People, people who are in call, they have to be trained. Mashkichem, Machanchem have to train the men. And in seminaries, they have to train the women that you should be zochet to marry an Er Lachayit. And the person has got to realize that an Er Lachayit is an Er Lachayit. There's people who are in Kail who are unfortunately not Er Lachayit. And there's people in the working world who are very Er Lachayit. People have to be trained that when you leave the yeshiva world and you go out to work, you don't become a different person. You don't become a worse person. You've got to, you need more shmiras, you need more zahiras, you need more, you know, you, 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 you've you got to make sure that you retain yourself as a ben Torah, even when you go into the working world. But you don't become somebody different, you know, you don't necessarily become somebody different. And I know in America, this is a very, very big problem. There's people that are learning coal for five years, 10 years, whatever, they go out to the working world, Two months later, there's nothing left of the past. Two months later, they've become, they've lost it all. It's a, it's a, it's a terrible phenomenon. I know, I know it's something that America and Europe for the same, but America especially is struggling a lot with. A person has to realize that when he goes out to work and he has to talk, sit with his wife and talk about it. And he's saying that we're going to remain Erlachayidin. You're going to help me. You're going to help me get, get up every morning. I have a Talmud whose wife, whose wife, when he when he oversleeps, she somehow gets up like a like a like a like a like a computer and she wakes him up in the morning and he gets up and he's really an Erlacha, 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 Erlacha Balabas. 
And this is what the this is what the girls have to be taught in Islam. Of course, you want to marry somebody, and if you can afford to learn in coil, let him learn in coil as long as he can. But he doesn't become a bad person, Khasushalm. He doesn't become a second-rate citizen, Khasushalm, if he goes out to work. You have to sit down and you have to sit down. How can I how can I remain the Bentoira even when I go out to work? What type of work? Which type of office are you sitting? Is it possible to sit at a, to sit at work from home or from work in a from office? Look at the first question. That's the first question. You ready? I'm going to go to yeah. the first question. Okay. Anybody wants to ask a question, please text us your partners. Obviously, Lyle goes first. Let's let's jump into the first question. Rabbi Zuckerberg is touching it. Somebody's having the question. I'm a young married man who just went into the corporate work world. How am I supposed to deal with all the nonsense of dealing with women around me the whole day, going around to meetings, and in general in the street? I'm finding it to be extremely overwhelming. Even when I try to be a little bit withdrawn, it's not so acceptable. It comes off extremely weird. So first of all, I mean, I always tell my Tamidim that you have to choose, you know, you have to choose your work. You have to choose it. And you've got to make sure, a person's got to make sure that he, that, you know, he finds work in the, in the best possible situation, best possible scenarios uh, where he shouldn't have these, shouldn't have these battles. If somebody, this is the work he has, he has to realize, like I said earlier, he has to realize he's on a battlefield. And he has to realize that uh, I've seen, I've seen from experience of dealing with people that Goyim, and also, and also secular Jews, they admire people who have Shemir Sinayim. They admire them. They look at them. They become like the, they become like the, the saint there in the work. If a person is Shemir himself, I know, I know of somebody that it was in a place where none of the Jews there will keep up. Well, couples, this is going back many years, and he was insistent on wearing a couple. And the goyim said there, the goyim said there in American New York, in a big place, the goyim said they want to deal only with such a guy because he's got principles and he lives with his principles. So he has to realize that number one, as work, people are going to appreciate it and people are going to want to do business with him. And number two, you're on the battlefield. You're a frontline soldier. And this is, you know, this is, this is, this is, this is the way, this is the way it is. So you can't decide, you know what, I'll just, you know, this is, it's impossible. I'll just give up everything. On the contrary, every day you have to realize that it's a tremendous opportunity to be Makadash Shemaim. A tremendous Kiddush Hashem for a person that sits in his office and he doesn't schmooze when others are schmoozing. And even if at the beginning he it seems weird, he's going to be appreciated and they're really going to admire him. And he has the rare opportunity of being Makadash Shemaim every day that other people don't have. Okay, beautiful. Okay, let's go to a live question. You're up. Hi, Rabbi Zucker. Thank you for taking my question. Um, I have two questions. Um, first of all, you know, every year the generation changes, the Nisoyinists change, the standards change. Um, for the perspective of uh, Yeshua Bakr, who is now in college or is taking a class or is working, or someone who's not fully in Yeshiva the whole day, what is the ideal expectation that of a standard for a bentaira in that situation. What does Hashem want from them? Like, where does the battle lie? And I'll explain more clearly because, like, let's say ten years ago, when I was in yeshiva, I remember they said in the name of a talmud chacham. Uh, this is a, uh, one of the. Uh, it's not the best example, but to bring out the point, um, to go from Lakewood to Brooklyn, there's two routes, and one of the routes have a lot of billboards. So there's a shaila of ikadarka so, like, that was maybe 10 years ago when the standards were much less. Today, when things are so booming, where is, what is the ideal? What, I'm not necessarily everyone's holding there, but is the ideal that Yeshua Bachar shouldn't have a smartphone? I'm, I don't, we can't get into Pratim of everything, but in Batera Sklal, where is the ideal place uh, Ben Tera and the working world should be Shamar? Um, the second question is, um, I see this with... A lot of my friends and they ask me this question. Sometimes people um, 
when they're down, that's their biggest uh, breaking point where they feel they need to get themselves, numb themselves, their pain. And if they're depressed or they're upset, so they go on the device and look at something to distract themselves from the pain they're going through. What is the best advice for someone who's going through a challenge? Um, I know some people, they go on a Pagisha and they get a no, that's when they, they feel they need to do it. What is the what is the best way to help oneself out when they're going through a painful situation to not go to to be shamer their name and deal with Kedusha properly? Okay, we'll, begin. we'll answer first the second question, and then you might remind me again what the first question was. But the, 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 this is something that I was, I was going to mention earlier, I just didn't want to mention it because I thought I don't know how much time I had to speak. And that is, it's brought down in this forum, that the Yetzirah doesn't really want the Avera. When, he, when he's marshal Layid, when he's caused the Yid to stumble to do an Avera, it's not the Avera that he's seeking. It's the Atzvah, it's the anxiety, the regret, the remorse, the Tzibrochenkeit that comes from the Avera, because that's the most dangerous thing. They say over from the Heiliger, Chazim Leblin, that anxiety and depression, and depression is not an Avera, but there's nothing that leads to the worst Averas than that. In other words, what the Yitzhar is really getting at is that a Yid should lose his Simcha, his Simcha in life. He feels bad, he feels low, he feels, and this is really what the Pagam, Pagama Bris, this is really the worst of the Pagama Bris that brings a person to this anxiety. A Yid has to know in this generation that the most important thing for him is to always to be Besimcha. To be besimcha, to find simcha and everything. You know, I heard from a big tzaddik. Again, this is not. Uh, this is not. Uh, I can't say this is not for the public because the public's listening. But uh, but he was saying there's something specific, and he was he said to me once about somebody. He said this guy would be better off going to the circus or hearing the jokes of a clown than than going to some serious hearing some sharp musa. And what he meant was because simcha is the most simcha is the most dangerous thing. You know, there was a very big tzaddik here in Yerushalayim called Rav Moshe Matcha Lelava. It was a tzaddik Atzim. He was a Kedosh Elin. He's Mamesh Malach Elikim. Rav Moshe Matcha Lelava. And he said that there's two things that he cannot tolerate. He said he can tolerate all Averis. He can tolerate all over Averis. There's two things he can't tolerate. Number one is somebody that's not Simcha. And number two, Gaiva. In other words, Simcha is the, is, is, is the most important thing. A person's got to look for ways. He should listen to Leibdika music. He should go to chasanas. I've told people in the past that if they're on the, if they're on the, the internet already, they should get these chasanas, these beautiful chasanas where you see people on bleachers singing, thousands of people singing, and the rabbi's doing his mitzvah tansa, whatever, you know, whatever the case is, just be in a simcha atmosphere because he has to know that simcha is vital. If you lose your simcha, you're completely lost, completely lost. You've got to be besimcha, and how do you get besimcha? Even if you're looking at the wrong things, is a person's got to appreciate the kedushas Levi once said that a person gets up in the morning, even if he loses everything, he just has to remember that he's a yid, and he remembers. And I always tell a person that what is what is what is what is grief and sadness? Death, death causes grief and sadness. Rahman on its A yid has to remember that he's an eternal being. After Yid's finished doing tshuva and all his tikkunim, he lives forever. Yid lives lo'el me'ad. If he lives for me'ad, he, he just, he, so he's an eternal being. So there's no reason for him ever, ever to lose to lose his simcha. A Yid's got to be besimcha at all times. You know, there's this famous vart from the, from the, from the Yismach Yisrael. He says, why does mourning, the mitzvah of Avelis, why does that have to be a mitzvah? It's a natural feeling. Chas a relative dies. 
It's a natural feeling. He says, you know what? If it wouldn't be a mitzvah, if it wouldn't be a mitzvah, then it'd be depressing and a person would fall into a, a deep anxiety. The fact that he's makaim, the mitzvah's avelis, a mitzvah brings mitzvah to a person, is that saves him, even at an avelis, from falling down. And that's why Tishbab, we don't say tachanan because it's koralai moed. There's a certain feeling of a moed in there. A person, 365 days a year, must never lose his simcha. And I don't mean simcha, you know, a weird simcha, you know, um, a callous rush. I mean, a person's really got to be happy that he's part of, he's a, he's a yid, he's an Am Yisrael, he's, he's, he's a yid. They say the Heliger of Yenis and Ibshitz, they said, you know, he had a lot of opponents and they were always looking for things that he did wrong. And once they found that in his, in his Birchas HaShachah, he doesn't say the Brochah Shalei Sani Goy. Okay, they reported back to base, we found a new Avera, that Heliger of Yenis and Ibshitz, he doesn't say Shalei Sani Goy. When they asked him, my, my, my high, he said he makes that bracha straight after Nagel Vasa. He washes Nagel Vasa. He says, and he, and he says, wow, he's in such a simcha, that he makes the bracha, he makes the bracha straight away. He doesn't realize how much he has to be a simcha. He has a Nagel Vasa in the morning. He puts tzitzes on in the morning. My father, Lashana, went to visit once uh, somebody in hospital in London, a Jew in hospital, and there was a goy. He was sharing the room with a goy. And the goy says to my father, he says, you know, you Jews are so fortunate. I wake up in the morning. I've got nothing to look forward to. I put on the television. I eat my breakfast. He says, I see my neighbor. I see my the, the guy in the other bed. He washes his hands in the morning. He puts these things on. Then he puts his film on and he prays and he's got these books and he learns. He says the Jewish life is a life that's so full of content. Emptiness brings on depression. Judaism is so full of content. A person must never, ever lose his simcha. Never lose his simcha. If a girl, he's dating a girl and she turns him down, he's got to look for a thing. He's got to go to a chasna. Gate crash in a chasna. Just sit there, listen to the music. Be levity. Don't lose the simcha because a lack of simcha pulls the person down into the wrong places. What was your first question? I'm sorry. Um, the first question was more regarding for a bentaira who's in studying oh, yes, or yeah, going to work. Yeah, yeah. So first, what first is the first ideal? Thing. What is the ideal of what Hashem wants them to succeed? Is it not to have a smartphone? That's what the ideal is. Is it? Um, uh, what is it like? It's just so if a person's a before work, if a person's like looking for a job, we're not. The earlier question was if he's already working somewhere in a place where the misyonis are strong. I'm talking about a guy now that's looking for a job. A guy that's looking for a job in today's day and age, of course, has to look only for a job that's going to enable him not to be on the battlefield. There's no mitzvah to go onto to go onto a battlefield. So he's got to look for a job. I, I push a lot of Tamilim to go into psychology and that type of thing because then they can work in yeshiva, they can work with boys. I have somebody that works in a whole building in America somewhere in New York, but there's a whole building of from Yidin, full of from therapists, and they're helping the from world. Is there? You know, he doesn't come onto. He doesn't. He doesn't face these challenges. If a person's looking for work, he has to look for a work where he's going to have to, where he's going to be amongst from Yidin. He's going to. He's looking for work. I tell people even today, even people that want to go to medical school, which is a mitzvah, whatever. He's helping people. He's helping people. But who wants to sit in college for so many years? And who who wants to who wants to have to go through months and months where there's no time to learn, there's no time to dive, and he's got these crazy finals. You know, we're so weak and we're so fragile as it is, who wants to put himself into these nisyonis? A person's got to look for a job, he's got to look for a panosa, which is safer. He might earn a few dollars less, but it's safer, he's more protected. And like you say, you know, all these things, an iPhone is a, is, a, is a dangerous thing with all the filters, it's a dangerous thing. Can people survive without it? Can they survive without it? That's not a discussion for now. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of tzaddik can really feel that if a person's got to do his utmost and his maximum to, you know, to be able to have a job where he doesn't have to have an iPhone, if he has an iPhone, I tell boys in yeshiva that need an iPhone because the 
they have to, you know, they have to zoom with their parents every evening. Put the iPhone. You only need the iPhone to zoom with your parents. So keep the iPhone in your closet in your room. Make a Kabbalah. You're not taking the, the the iPhone out. You get a kosher phone. You don't take the iPhone out till nine o'clock in the evening, where 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 you you know where you zoom with your parents and you finish. You wish good night to your parents and then you put it away. A person's got to realize that a person is a peshaya. He's careless if he doesn't take these precautions. He, before he goes out to work, this is the type of work he has to you know he has to he he, he has to undertake. So here's here's another question that came in. Every once in a while, I see something I shouldn't have seen and fall in Kedusha. I feel despair because I feel it's not working, the, you know, all the work that I'm putting in. How am I mechazik myself to go back to being more pure and holy? I think more practical. We heard a little bit from the Rebbe. But Lamaisa, what should somebody do when they feel it's not working? There's no such thing as it's not working. You take every nesoyin by itself. If a person had a nesoyin and now at eight o'clock in the evening he saw something he shouldn't, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have seen. So then at, at five after eight he should wash his hands and he should go to shul and he should do a tshuva shleima. He should shed. There's a letter from the Balatanya talking about a person that that, that you keep a morning. He saw something he shouldn't have seen. Whatever, and he had a he had a urea and keep in the morning. Um, so he says that you should shed a few tears. And you should, uh, you know, you should feel the tshuva, but then you should be mechazi. So I've got a whole, I've got a whole day coming up. I've got a hail like a yom kippur, a musaf, a mincha, and a ila. And you should realize that's how a person's going to do it. If he, if he falls, get up. And obviously, I'm not saying a person doesn't have to do tshuva, chas v'shalom. A person's got to do tshuva for everything. But get up, move on, run, and jump, and dance, and go to shul, and learn something. And then when he feels safe again, he feels comfortable again, he feels secure again, then he should do tshuva. This is a generation that people fall. If this was said about, generally speaking, in our generation, nobody's a tzaddik. That, you know, they don't, everybody falls. Kisheva yipal tzaddik v'kom. I said once, kisheva yipal tzaddik. The tzaddik over here is the tzaddik because he had an afila. The sheva yipal tzaddik is v'kom. A tzaddik knows how to get up. And Yosef tzaddik is called Yosef tzaddik. And in the dreams, he said, v'ghine kama alumasi. My bundle of, my sheaves, my bundle got up. V'gam nitzava. Yosef tzaddik because he knew how to stand up. He knew how to stand up. He knew how to be a nitzava. The person's going to know how to get up. There's no such thing as a guy feeling a feeling of failure. Because this is a generation, like we said, with all terrible nisyonis. A person, tzaddik, knows how to get up. He should get up. He should get excited about his Yiddishkeit again. He should go to a safer that he enjoys learning the most. Get back into it, and then he should do tshuva. What's, what's the mindset that doesn't help, that, that makes it very hard for people? For some reason, people out there, you know, have given up already. Because people haven't heard these messages, that's why. People, the Yetzirah, as I said, the Yetzirah makes a person feel yeyosh. The Yetzirah of today is, you know, we're, we're in the Golas Roimi, Rome is Gematria Amalek. We're in the, uh, we're in the, we're in the Golas, the exile of Hina and That was the first thing that Esau said. That's the Goish way of thinking. This was the first dialogue. Yaakov is the father of Klal Yisrael, Esau of, of, of our enemies. And this is the first dialogue. Esau's first dialogue is give up. Means the you're giving up, you're giving up something so sacred. The answer is, this is what Ace of saying. I'm doomed. And this is what a, a person has to realize. He had a ureter. For that, you're not going to learn. You're not going to learn for the rest of the day. For that, you're going to not daven properly the rest of the day. You're giving up the bechayra. You're giving up something so sacred. For what? Hashem knows the generation. Hashem knows how difficult it is. Mom is like a parent. You know, a, a parent, a child is such a good boy. He does something wrong. His parents said, you're a failure. You're doomed. Get out of the house. Of course not. A parent understands the nesionis. And a good parent, you know, tells the teacher, encourage him. 
show him that he's really a good person. In our generation, this is essential and vital. Show him that he's really a good person. So he had a mishap. So he had a feel. He had a ureter. So what? So what? Let him get up from that ureter. And, and this is what a person has to feel. He has to know that it's the Yitzhahar and it's coming from Esau. Yeosh, all this type of thought is mamish coming from Esau. We are B'nai Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu, HaKadosh Baruch said to Yaakov Avinu, Anoichi Eired Imcha Mitzrayim. I'm going down into Mitzrayim with you, into the Tumah. Anoichi El Chagam Ola. The same Hashem comes down with us and the same Hashem picks us back up. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly, monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance. Beautiful. Okay, Rabbi Zucker. Okay, let's go to the next live question. You're up. Just a quick question. I work in an office with 95% ladies. My mechayev to leave. I think I don't know where and how many years and what, you know, I don't know your whole history. I don't know where. But just hearing that sentence, while you're working there, I think it's a good idea to try to look for something else. You know, don't just leave and walk out. A person, it's it's definitely definitely a very big bidyevet. It's definitely not a not a good thing to put your throw yourself into the fire every single day on a daily basis. While you're working there, if there's a possibility for you to find an alternative job or an alternative office, for try to get the same business to switch you into another office, it's definitely vital. For long term, sitting in an office with 90% women is definitely not advisable. Thank you. Okay, Rabbi Zucker, interesting question. If you want to go there, but somebody just said it to me. Um, my oldest son is turning 12, and I feel like I should have a talk with him about the body maturing and just general in Yana Kedusha. How do parents or father talk with a son about these topics? If if the if a person if a parent knows that the son is going through these ideas, and it's true that in today's generation, I suppose most kids are, but I don't think it. I don't think I've I've been asked this question many times before. I don't think it's an Indian for parents to go into these topics unless they're suspect of the children. You know, unless the suspect of the children needing it. You know, it's no Indian for every single parent to go through to go through the parents to open this to open and open. You know, and and and. An open conversation about things. It could be their child that still has a certain tamimus to them. If the parent knows that the child is undergoing a certain, you know, thing that makes it necessary, you know, so then parents, you know, then parents have to bring it up. But some people think it's a shitter to educate their parents and uh, the children and to go through all these subjects with the children before the children know what they're talking about. Sometimes the child himself falls off his chair and says, "What is this? One I'm about to face? Are these Danyana I'm about to face?" Sometimes the children are still innocent and hopefully they remain innocent. If it's a parent that's giving the child, a, you know, a, a protected environment environment and they're living in a good environment i don't think it's an indian but they have to start straight away like throwing the child into the deep end you know hopefully the child will, will you know will go through will go through the younger years without necessarily needing it if it if it is possible so then you know parents got to do it very very subtly and uh, in a very encouraging way and uh, you know as we said earlier with a lot of encouragement with a lot of inyanim that this is an isoyan and we, we, we should always feel one thing that's very very important is that the parents should give a child a feeling that the child can always be open to them and they always should be open to them. And the parents have to give a child the feeling of acceptance and their of acceptance, who they are, whatever they are. And they should give the child a feeling that this is an assign of the dar. It's not an assign of their child. It's an assign of the whole dar. And the whole generation is struggling. And if it doesn't make their child into a bad child, parents have to give the child the feeling that they can always be open and the parents always hold them in high esteem and they're not looked down upon you know, by the parents, which is in, 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 in today's day and age. You know, parents 
expect a lot from children and parents do not compliment children enough on small accomplishments. You know, a child comes home and a, a boy of 13, 14 comes home and you made a see him on something. If it's a, if it's a Seder and Mishnah, the parents should make the biggest deal in the world. A parent should encourage the children. Par parents should make the biggest deal about even the child's small accomplishments. And then when the child really feels that the parent loves them and the parent looks at them in high regard and in high esteem, then the parent can say, you know what? You're only a human being, and this is the Nisoyen, and this is a generation, and boys of your age have these Nisoyenists, and especially today that people see things and are exposed to things that they were not exposed to once upon a time, and therefore we still hold you in this high regard. Please be open with us. Please always be open with us, and we're going to go through this, you know, we're going to go through this uh, with you together. But Stam as an age, a fixed age, okay, my child's now turned 12 and a half, let's, you know, let's bring him into all these Inyanim. I don't think that's, uh, that, you know, that's necessarily advisable. Okay, let's go to the next live question you're on. Yeah, hi. Can you hear me well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good evening. Thank you very much Thank for you. your wisdom. Um, I guess I have two questions. One is more specific, one is more general. Um, since you're talking about praising and positive regard for the, for the child, I'm curious, what would you advise the balance should be between praise and holding a child or person responsible? That's number one. And number two, do you think that our educational system in general prepares our youth for, for life, specifically in terms of strength, excitement for this guys and, you know, I'm sorry, skills to be I'm able sorry, to... Sorry, it's a bit blurred. I didn't, hear, I didn't hear the second question. Could you begin again the second question? Yeah, sure. Sorry. Do you think that our educational system in general, you know, yeshivas or girls' schools, and if there is a difference between boys' or girls' schools, do you think it prepares sufficiently our young ones for... I guess, a fight in a way, or just providing skills for life, and specifically in terms of being excited for this fight, and do we provide skills or some kind of a system for them to be able to work through these difficulties? Thank you. The second question, I mean, you remind me of the first question again. Um, the second question is a lot of these discussions, you know, especially in terms of with boys, in terms of Kedusha, in terms of these things, um, a lot of these things are more naget to be done on an on a individual basis, on a one-on-one -on -one basis. What's very, very important in the educational system is um, that, that the Rabbonim and the Rabbeim in the school, if it's in high school, if it's in yeshiva, they have to realize that they're not, they're not employed anymore just to come and give share. They're employed anymore. They're given 20 guys in their share. They have to know that there's 20 people that they are now fully responsible for. More important than the share. Fully responsible for, for educating them and for holding their hands and seeing them through their difficulties. A lot of these things, a lot of these problems could be solved if the, the, the Rebbe Nishiva or if that's in the girls' school, if, if, if the teacher of the, the woman who teaches the girls has this individual relationship with the girls and can spot, I spot a girl that's got, you know, that's got problems and pull her to the side and you know see what they can do have us speak out to them they should be open to them a lot of these a lot of the a lot of preparing them for the support system is done individually because there's a lot of a lot of subjects and a lot of these topics especially on kedusha which is not something that people feel comfortable to address in an open forum and therefore you know i say this the whole time to machanchim that if you're a machanich, if you have a class of kids, if it's high school, if it's elementary school, if it's yeshiva, you've got to look at each one and you've got to realize that in our generation, you are now responsible for each of these boys and each of these neshamas. You have to prepare each one according to him. You can see that certain people have weaknesses, they need more strength. You can see people that are stronger, they're more of a fighters. You know, each person needs a, a type of a different, a different preparation of, of, you know, of, of preparing them to enter, to enter the world. 
on a on a on a class forum is I think this is the most important. Um, of course, what, everything I've said till now is not just stroking them and saying you're all good, you're fine, you're all good, you're fine. Obviously, one's got to speak about the choymer, the severity of certain affairs, and these, of course, has to be addressed. But all I'm trying to say is that you know, a person doesn't become a bad person if he succumbs or if he's nichshal, if he stumbles, because the nisyonis are so great that people in earlier generations would have also. I, I, in America, there's a very great man in America. I'm not saying his name. I know he's. I know somebody told me this who sat at a meeting with him, and he said this. This, this is one of the great people in America today. He said, "If I be raised in this door today, I wouldn't be from." That's what he said. In other words, people have to be told. That people have to be told not that they're doing this affair is not the worst thing in the world. Not that this affair today is not a severe affair. Torah doesn't change, but they've got to be understand that you know. Even nowadays, there's a problem amongst yeshiva guys. There's a problem amongst yeshiva guys, and I'm not, I'm, I don't know, I'm not saying necessarily in the good yeshivas, but in the more modern yeshivas, boys text on Shabbos. You know, I taught for over 20 years in the modern Orthodox yeshivas, and till recently, there was no such thing, no such thing as a boy, even from a modern Orthodox family, and a boy for, who's modern. But texting on Shabbos is something that was, and today it, it's it's mind-boggling. It's not that it's not that it's less severe than it was. It's just it's just it's just a crazy generation. That's all. So a person mustn't be told, you know, oh, you text on Shabbos, it doesn't matter. Person's got a person's got to hit Shabbos, Shabbos, Heilige Shabbos. But nevertheless, again, at the same time, he's got to be told, you know what? It's a generation. It's a generation where 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 things are so it's so difficult. Is therefore even though you, even though you are nichshal and shmir Shabbos, don't think that therefore all hope is lost. You know this is a, it's a plague generation, and we're helping you helping you out of this. So I'm not saying that people have to be told that you know mitzvahs are less important today or virus are less severe today. Chas v'shalom. But nevertheless, he's got to be told that in this generation, even if you fall, Hashem understands that the nisyonis are so much worse. Is it clear what I'm saying? Or is yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Did it answer your second question? Uh, so it's in a way, but I was really talking about things that are so avarice that a person does towards himself and between Hashem and himself is one thing. How about the avarice that are between a person and a person? Would that, you know, qualify as a different situation? Should we act differently? And not, I mean, we can't praise someone for doing a wrongdoing towards someone else. Of course not. Of course not. As I said, it's not not praising anybody for doing something. You're not praising anybody for doing something wrong. But uh, you know, but but it's it's a, people are very weak and fragile today, and therefore the 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 the, the, the musa that pushes them down is something that people some people don't have the koyach to hear, and it just makes things worse. So you know, it's not making anything, you know, not making things better. It makes no difference if you're talking about an odem lachaver and odem lamaker between people and between Hashem. And mitzvahs are various between people. It makes no difference. The base of was destroyed because of sinas You know, mitzvahs ben odem lachaver are equally important. But a person has to be told. A person you can call it musa. A person's got to be given his musa bedark inoyim. He mustn't be giving the musa in a way that he's a bad person. He's got to be giving the musa in a way on the opposite. You know, if you see somebody sliding somebody else, if you see somebody embarrassing somebody else in public, so the musa that you give him is, you know, you're a nice guy this is just not you i don't know what happened this is just not you you know you're such a good guy how does this happen to you how could you scream how could you say this to another person this is just not you you know you must have had a, a difficult morning this morning because this is just not you if you give such a type of musa so at the same time that you're telling him how bad it is what he did at the same time you're telling him that he's not a terrible person in and in, in of himself you know he had a bad day or he had a bad thing so you gotta it's difficult it's 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 delicate but you gotta work on, on the two fronts at the same time not pushing a person down that's the worst thing. Okay, there's another live question. Okay, you're on. 
Okay, hi, uh, Rabbi Zucker. I really appreciate this uh, special um, interview tonight. Uh, I got a question that was on my mind for some time, and that is the question, when does a person determine if he should continue in coil or he should go get himself a job? Let me explain. I'm in a man. Um, I've been in coil now close to six years. I've been for a lot of years. The last, uh, I would say, maybe it was a year or so, I feel not so stimulated, so it doesn't have, uh, I didn't have the same chaisha for learning as I had in the past. Let's say from a seder, um, sometimes spends on coffee, smoothing with a friend, anything like that. And it, in the beginning, I tried changing the limud. I actually changed a different coil as well. I told different things. Let's say they learn a lot over there. Beginning of this one was obviously very geschmack. As it continues on, um, there's the ups and downs, uh, as we said. I do feel on one side, you know what I mean? A person, when supposed to learn, try to learn, but not everybody has the capability to sit the whole day and learn. And sometimes people that have a job, they have the, uh, it's much more structured. And we say, oh, the mamalilod, everybody has to have certain amylas. If you could have it in a mileage through learning theory, obviously that's great. But on the other hand, I'm wasting time, and I'm not saying that I'm wasting time. From a theater, I learn, I accomplish. But it's not with the same chayshik, and let's say from a theater of four hours, I would say it's utilized two and a half hours or something to that extent. The other, the other time goes, not necessarily not, not sitting over the Gemara, but it's not utilized properly. Is that a case where a person should just get himself a job, have a seder in the morning, at night, whatever works, or a person has to push himself further just to be in case of this measure? That's a very good question. I'm saying, yeah. saying that it's for no, so let's say my wife works currently and she's earning nicely, but it's more for the self-stimulation, being a person, whatever, just presenting this question. It's a very good question. It's funny. I was recently stopped at the coastal. Somebody came up to me and uh, I've never met him before, but he said he, you know, whatever, listens to Shiram or whatever. And he asked me much the same question. <laughs> it was slightly different. The, the thing is the following. Um, other than long, you know, the person's got to have, you know, obviously a day of Shlemus. Like you're saying, if every, is everybody cut out for full time learning? Every person's being supported. Somebody wants to ask me, he's being supported. He enjoys his learning, but he's 30-something years old. He feels on one hand he should just leave learning and go to work to get on with life. So if he's enjoying learning and he's being supported, there's no reason to leave coil. If a person is enjoying and he's being supported and he has millions of dollars and uh, he enjoys, he loves learning, stay there your whole life. If a person feels that he's drying out, so then that's not healthy. And a lot of the reasons why people get onto the internet is because people feel social pressure, peer pressure, that they have to continue in coil all day long. And they don't feel they start drying out and they start, you know, and they start getting into a bad place. And that's what causes a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of problems. Of course, there's an Indian of a person should be mechazik himself, a person should try to be mechazik himself. If, according to the telephone conversation that we just had, that was unclear, I didn't hear every word. But if it's a type of thing where you've tried other things and you just feel that you're at the stage where you need to like move on in life. So then it's unhealthy to stay full day in coil if you're drying out and just to schmooze around and sit around. It brings you, it brings you to a certain emptiness. And in our, today's society, a person's got to be busy um, to leave coil altogether. 
I don't think is necessarily, again, I don't know you personally, but if there's a possibility of, you know, like meanwhile, while you're learning morning and part of the afternoon, you take something, uh, you take a night course or something that can enable you to spend at least, uh, you know, at least a couple of hours a day working. And then you might have more of a brand to learn if you know it's only for the morning or if it's only for the morning and part of the afternoon. So that, you know, that would be the best. If you feel that you're drying out, if you feel slowly, slowly you're losing the cheshek, is it, it, can, it can be counterproductive even. It can cause a person, you know, just to feel again, just to feel, start to feel low with himself, to start feeling empty with himself and, you know, schmoozing and schmoozing and then you're playing a game, you know, you're going home and your wife's asking you how's coil in the morning and then you've got to lie, you've got to say it's good. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not a healthy, it's not a healthy situation. So if you've tried this thing, you just feel it's after, I didn't hear how many years you were learning, you're already learning a coil, but an average person after four, five years, six years, he starts feeling either he wants to become a magiche, either he wants to further, or there are people, again, that are happy and they love, they love, you know, they love learning and they, they, and they support it, they should learn forever. But a person who feels that he's starting to feel that he needs to move to, to the next, you know, to the next stage in life is uh, it's not healthy for him just to hang around and coil and just to think, you know, you get depressed out from it as well. It's possibly, it's an idea of, of, of in the evening as well, to try to find some online thing, a kosher online thing where you could learn something, where you could learn, you know, a certain trade or learn a certain business, something that you could do a work for a couple of hours a day and then see if you can stay in coil in the morning and then do, you know, do some things in the afternoon. But you you have to be mechazak yourself and you have to say again, as we said earlier, that, 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 that you're always going to remain a ben Torah. I always tell people that, that the difference between a coil person and a working person is how long the Seder is and how long the Ben Astorum is. When you're learning, the Seder is four hours in the morning and then a two hour, whatever, three hours and two hour Ben Astorum and then another Seder. When you go to work, it's just the Ben Astorum is longer and the Seder is shorter. But when the hours that you're maktish to learning, you have to feel that you're still in coil. And now as you're working, you have to feel that you're working. You mustn't say it. This is this whole conception of I'm leaving coal. I'm not a, I'm leaving being a bentire. I'm going to the working world. That's wrong. That causes a lot of you readers. You remain a bentire. What does a bentire mean? A bentire means a tire is your priority. It has to be your priority when you leave to work as well. That's what we said earlier, that you, even when a person has to do a full day work, you get up in the morning early. You're most unnefish to begin learning. You learn two hours before, before you go out to work. So there, there mustn't be a misconception in terms of I'm leaving coal and becoming a a boss, all these types of things. I personally never like seeing these things. You see sometimes posters in the street, like, you know, somebody's giving a drosha, and this is a drosha for B'nai Torah. I mean, basically they're saying that only the coil guys are invited. I think that's very wrong. Uh, you're, you're giving a drosha for, for, for B'nai Torah, so, and so anybody that's Makayim Torah Mitzvah, he's he's a Ben Torah, you know, in his work. I know, I know people that work, they may learn more, may learn more hours than people in coil. A person's got to remain a, a, a Ben Torah all the time. And therefore, I think it's it's important if you could have a job that's going to enable you to stay in coil a few hours and to learn the morning in the coil. And if you know you only have the morning, you hop around a lot more, and then you can do something later on in the day. Okay. Let's go to the next live question. Hold on one second. One second. Yeah, I'm muted. Okay, thank you so much. I'm going back to the topic that the Rub spoke about. I totally understand not exposing boys to they turn 10 years old and we have to explain to them all about Kadusha and Yanim. But what's the Rub's take on explaining children about inappropriate touch? or their own safety for what 
We don't know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen, so there's no age for that. Again, you know, that's all. That's all totally on the age. Again, as 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 young children, you know, a person could be very vague with the children and uh, can explain them something, but not to go into details. That's going to see the problem today is that if you if you if you um, if you make your child children curious. So the kids have ways of, of taking it to the next step and exploring and exploring and exploring. And all you did was you had an innocent conversation with them and that, that got their minds working. And they just, you know, they just go exploring these things online. So you never know where this, you know, never know. So a, a person mustn't make it into a, like a major issue that's going to get their minds working. Why? What are they referring to? They, you know, I, I see they're talking, they're, they're referring to something much more. And that's going to, they're going to talk about it with their friends and they're going to, you know, these things, sometimes it's better just to, you know, just to, if if you, if a person feels that they have to be spoken about, about certain things, you know, just to try to bring it in in a, in a, in a, in a, in a by the way idea, but not, not, you know, sitting them down, we have to tell you about something, we have to start training, you know, the, the problem of today is that you trigger off so much and, and they have all the resources to start going, you know, like, it's uh, people, people, people. It's better that the children to be to be tamimim, as 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 possible. Sometimes it's yatsas harabef seda. You know the things that they start finding out with their own research. <laughs> Sometimes the parents feel, whoa, we didn't dream they're going to get there, and uh, and people do get there. Kids do. I mean, kids, bach and whatever, they do get there. The idea of of if a person sees an issue and sees that needs. The, Thing. So that's a different story. Then, you know, the parents are like giving the kids a certain necessary almost therapy, you can call it. But uh, it's very difficult to say, you know, to, to, to start bringing the children into something, you know, where where where, where the children are going to start asking a lot of questions. Sometimes it's better that they should remain in their tamimus as long as possible. But how do children get prepared? Once it happens, it happened. They weren't prepared and they don't know to talk about it. I don't know. Again, I don't know what ages you know we're talking about. If a guy's already after his bar mitzvah and he's uh, he's after his bar mitzvah and he's look, there are certain things where obviously a person's got to warn children in terms of you know if somebody comes up to you and if somebody calls you to him and you know they have to be obviously children have to be safeguarded, etc. Um, but uh, but 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 talking talk talking going into it like the nitty gritty of life today of the nasiones of life today is definitely not you know definitely not before their bar mitzvah and definitely a person should you know should take advice from the yeshiva from the high school or from the rabbeim over there if they see anything of you know where they where where they're holding what they know already it's not something that a parent has to decide okay this and this date we're going to sit with him and we're going to you know prepare him i think i think it's got to wait to see how he develops to speak to the to speak to his rabbeim to speak to his mechanchim um and then to you know to see where what he knows ready to see to get some background information to know when the right time is let's go to the next live question you're on hi you're muted you can speak hello oh, hi. hi hi are you referring to me yeah, hi. Yeah, okay. I just want to know something. Just say someone has known someone who they are they're a wonderful person. They get up and make the double the shoe, they learn before davening. I, uh, I can't, I can't hear a word. I'm sorry, can you start again? I can't sorry. hear a word. Just say uh somebody has a husband who like gets up the nate, is a gather of the nate minion, who does you know, is a, a wonderful person. Um has struggled a lot with a lot of the uh, youngest, and somehow they find a relaxation with the 
with the phone, you know. Um, I'm sorry, it's breaking up. I still can't hear. I'm sorry. They have a certain relaxation with the phone. Like they, they just like, I don't know, they just watch things on the phone. I'm not saying it's anything bad because I, I for sure would not be, uh, um, you know, I know, whatever. But it's not, it's not something that's, that's ideal, you know. Like, I know that wives are not allowed to say anything to their husbands. They're not allowed to give them mutter and say anything. So I just ignore it. But I just want to know, like, you know, how much, is there anything that can be done? Or is it just, you just have to wait for they come around and say, I heard the question, I'll repeat it, but I'll repeat another question, it's a very similar question, okay, because she's not clear, she's saying that her husband, somebody she knows, wakes up very early, he's a good guy, but he, he likes to relax on his phone, she doesn't know like how to do, you know, he's on his phone for a lot, he's spending a lot of time on his phone, I'll read, I'll read, I'll read another question, um, I guess it's similar to that, you know what I mean, somebody sent in a question, I know my husband is struggling a lot and he spends a lot of time online, I'm not aware of what he does there. I'm worried. What can I do about it? I'm told not to be a mashkiach and to boss him since it won't, won't be good for our shalom bayis. So what is a wife supposed to do when they see their husband is a lot online, whether they knew they're doing something inappropriate or not? What's what's the right wife's role in such a such a situation? Yeah, that's a very important question, a very, very good question. Um, you know, a wife doesn't have to just sit by and just, you know, see her husband on the phone uh, for hours and hours and hours. It's uh, it's definitely something that she should address her husband with, but she should meet her, she should, you know, sit down with her husband and say, let's see how we can get out of this. Let's see how we can, you know, how we can, she can say to her husband, look, you know, I don't know what you're looking at, but it's definitely a lot of wasting time over here. I know it's difficult for you. Let's do this together. Let's start making small goals. You know, let's try, you know, every, let's try every day, to sit there together and while you're on the phone instead of being on the phone let's sit together let's play a game let's schmooze let's chat let's go for a walk let's go to eat out she should address the problem because her wife is allowed you know she's not the mashkiach of her husband but she's definitely allowed to challenge him in it and you know she doesn't she shouldn't say anything like i'm suspecting you're going into into and looking at looking at inappropriate things obviously you know she, she, but uh, she is definitely allowed and licensed it's her husband and it's disturbing for her and it's worrying for her and she must bring up the subject and it's a lot better for her to try to bring up the subject with him then go to somebody else or go to Rav should speak to him it's something that they can really sort out together a husband knows that it's not the right thing to be on his phone for hours even if he's just looking at stump even if he's just listening to news or or listening to matches or whatever he's doing a husband knows it's not the right thing a husband knows he needs help a husband knows that he's addicted to it and therefore the wife is the first one who's there to help him just like she's there to cook him food she's there to help him with all his needs and this is definitely a need a, a wife should definitely bring up the subject and should say you know it's disturbing i just can't you know i just can't we can't let this happen let's find a solution together and sometimes she has to sound extremely supportive. And I know of cases where I've advised husbands to tell their wives, you know, let's be open with me, be open with me. Tell me whatever you're telling me and tell me whatever you're looking at. I'm your wife, I'm loyal to you. And again, I hold you in high esteem. I know it's a problem of the generation, but be open with me. And the worst thing is that if you're not open with me and whatever you say and whatever you're looking, I accept you and we're gonna work this out together. She's definitely, you definitely, definitely should bring up the subject, bring up the subject in a, in a nice way. And uh, you know what? And if you can find solutions together with him, 
It's fantastic. And you know what? If he gets off his phone, even for one day, if you say, let's go out together and let's get off the phone together, just like the madrichim of a chasna kala tell them, you know, like a few weeks after the chasna, before you go to coil or before you go to work, you buy your wife a little chocolate, you buy her a little gift. You do the same thing. If, it, if a husband's off the phone for one day, the next day you write him a note, you buy him a little chocolate before you leave the house, you write him a note. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You're my tzaddik. You're the tzaddik in my life. And if you do, if you speak to him in that language, you know, husbands are petrified to be caught by their husband, but uh, to be caught by their wives. And that's what making, and that makes them even more secretive. And that makes them even do things even outside of the house that the wife's, you know, the wife's not, not aware of. And that's the most dangerous thing. If a husband feels that he can't be open with his wife and he can't, you can't, you know, together, there's no togetherness to help get out of this, is it's a lot more dangerous, a lot more dangerous. So do bring up the subject and do give him the feeling that you're here with him, with him. You'll go to therapy with him. He should be extremely open with you. And then you'll see that there's a solution to the problem. But don't just let it go by because you do as a wife and as a woman, you have to, unfortunately, in Chazal, there's a Lashen called Lachosh Mi Boya. You do have to, unfortunately, in today's day and age, suspect. You never know. You never know. You can never know what the husband is going, what, what the husband is doing. And therefore, he must be challenged, but in a very, very positive way. And he should feel that you're with him in this. You're with him all the way. Okay, let's go to the next live question. You're on. Hi, um, I was just wondering, uh, are you talking about the Ben Torah, if you just mean the men, but I think this is a, becoming a more common problem among everybody who works in the outside world in these kind of liberal environments where you have political, and I, I don't know, you know, other issues arising. I, I'm starting to wonder if the only places really from, uh, you know, if, if you have a company or organization that's trying to integrate implement certain liberal policies or you know attitudes and you know and you know you're trying I mean you're, you're trying to at least distance yourself from it but I I don't know if uh I don't yeah it's funny I work with a yeshiva guy who just calls it out I mean he just thinks it's the absurdity of certain things here I find myself laughing over it but you know but it may get to a point I you know I, I you know we're I mean, I'm not even talking hanky panky, sneeze, anything like that. Like, what do you do? Simply, you're, you're even. I'll have to I'll to be blunt. Working with Jews who are more, you know, either secular, more liberal. I'm sure that's a problem in Israel. But uh, as my friend, my coworker said, he has more in common with conservative blacks than he does with some of these secular types. Uh, so I I don't I don't know. Is there you know? I, I don't know how you you would handle that or advice you know somebody in that situation I, I i think it's becoming a, a common you know unfortunately a more common dilemma for many of us when a person goes to work when it comes to political discussions or political strife that is going on here in israel or wherever a person's going to tell all his co-workers that we're working together we're friends you know, I'd rather not bring up any of these conversations. We're coming here to work. You know, we're not sitting in the Knesset. We're not sitting in the Pentagon. We're not officially employed as politicians. And therefore, our working relationship and our friendly, our social relationship is going to be destroyed if we bring up certain political subjects, which have nothing to do with us. And it's nothing to do with, you know, this is not what we're coming to work for. Let's get that, you know, let's get down to our work. Let's be friendly. Let's not bring up any of these subjects that may cause unnecessary, you know, unnecessary strife. A lot of these, you know, a lot of these, uh, 
I heard just last week, somebody told me that the, about a certain, whatever, something going on here in Israel. And he says he's very friendly with the other side or whatever, a certain, again, a certain political thing. He said, he said he's friendly with the other side. He just come to the conclusion that, you know, we've been friends for 20 years because of this eruption of, of something political. That doesn't mean that everybody on either side are going to become enemies with each other. Uh, so the, 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 the advice is, and again, this is also a Kiddush Hashem, especially if you're working amongst seculars, amongst liberals, um, you just don't get into any of these conversations, you know, even if it comes to, you know, in America, it comes to elections, you know, there's one thing, we talk about everything in the office, we don't talk about elections, we don't talk about elections, we don't talk about anything that works people up, and in the country, again, it's a Kiddush Hashem, you know, you're sitting in your corner, and everybody else in the room is fighting, and the volume's high, <laughs> and they're all, and they're all arguing, and you're sitting in your corner, you're smiling, it makes a big Kiddush Hashem, and it makes just, it makes them feel stupid, and it makes you the smart one, so it's not worth, not just it's not worth getting involved in any of these conversations, it should be clear with all your co-mates and all the people that you're working with that you don't get on you don't get involved in these subjects at all and if you are the boss in the office you should ask that none of the co-workers should discuss any of these political discussions in their office it takes the mind away from the work they're supposed to be doing and uh, we can be friends things pol political things is something that's outside of our friendship outside of our arena and in a person's own individual life it's better that he doesn't get involved with it anyways because it just causes him anger causes him to get angry causes Lashnahara, causes a lot of other affairs very good. Here's a, another interesting question that came in. As a young married woman, I work full-time mostly around men who were yeshiva guys, but now they talk inappropriately around me, saying inappropriate jokes, cursing, just not kedusha dick. I need, um, I need a job to pay my bills, but it's really bothering me day in and day out. Um, having an open discussion, I feel will be ignored or made fun of. Or would you advise me to just leave the job and hope Hashem will help me get a better job quickly? I don't know what her husband is doing, but this is something I've said in a lot of different places. There's a lot of people that are learning in coil, even diligently, and their wives are working in offices with men. And uh, I don't know what the head of such a thing is. Um, it's this is this goes on to a different topic completely but uh generally speaking it's not the woman's obligation it's not the woman's all it's not her responsibility it's not her is to be the breadwinner at home and somebody that's learning in coil whose wife is sitting in an office with men has to think twice in whether he's doing whether he's doing the right thing generally speaking a wife should be more that care of bias and uh if it means that the husband's going to you know take earn some money at the side so that his wife doesn't have to you know go into a job and, and and it's just not her thing to do and especially in an office which is mostly men and she has to hear things i don't know why she has to do it bechlal. um you know it's not her, her thing is to be in a care service a lot of women you know the kids are growing up already or young married couples they don't have kids and if the husband's out learning so she's lonely she's bored or whatever the case is um so so she wants to find a job she shouldn't be working she shouldn't be working if she doesn't need to and if she should be working it definitely should be in a coaching environment when you're talking about a man working so you have to say a man is a breadwinner and it's hard this is the job he has now what should he do so that's a big discussion but a woman who's working in a in a, in, in a place which is mostly men what's she doing there what's she doing then what's she doing what's she doing then in the in the first place it shouldn't really be her her bichlal. And uh, but uh, definitely, definitely, it's a very, very, very big bit for her to to work in such an environment and to work with, to work all together. 
It's just it's become such a it's become such a given thing. You know, the husband learns and the wife goes out. She works in a bank. If she goes out with she's on the she's on the phone with her partners all the time. Most of them are men. I just don't know where there's this had to do this is. I don't know why more is not spoken about of you know telling the woman that she should she should if she should marry a person. He's a real bentora. Going back to our earlier discussion, but if they're being supported or if they have a business, fine. But otherwise, the woman should not have this achrayas and she should not have this all. Of going out and uh, having, you know, having this great all of being the breadwinner, and uh, Allah has come of come all the more so. She shouldn't have this all of these nisyonas of kedusha of being in a place. What's she doing there in the first place? So definitely, she should find that if she needs to be the breadwinner, she should find a job that's going to be in a more in a setting of tzniyas. It's not only that, you know, she can be the cause of being a michshal to others. You know, if a woman comes and uh, you know she's dressed in a way that it causes people entices men to look at her and to talk to. Her. So she's done being a michshal. She's done causing an avera. She's supporting somebody else to learn, and she herself is a, is a stumbling block, causing other people nisyonis. Is you know where's the where's the tzedek? Where's the where's the avodas Hashem? Where's the where's the avoda over here? You saying you saying even if her husband works, they're, they're both working. They need the money. She should try to find a, a place yeah. that works out for her. That's right. the whole idea that women go out. I'm not saying it's a, it's a chesar for a woman to help her husband be the you know to be the breadwinner. Today, society and especially in America, you know where, where chinuch is so so expensive and light, and then health insurance is so expensive, and sending their kids to summer camps is so expensive. So therefore, they need both of them to work. But the, the idea of a woman working, number one. Is a bidiavid in as of itself. If she has a mishpacha, you know, she should be there for that. If she has to work because you know she has to they, they need they need to pay the bills, is then her khiv is only to find a job in a tsnistic setting, both for her and both for that she shouldn't be a mitchell to other people working in a place with a lot of other men. And what would you advise for let's say girls that are starting in the work in the work fields, the girls going out to work, a lot of offices over here are full of girls. What are the things that they should know before they start or to make sure that things are? Um... They have to be extremely strong. Number one, to talk as little as possible, definitely to, to other men, not to be friendly. Even people that she ha they have to talk to on a daily basis in the office to be polite. Not to be rude, to be polite, but not to not to not to not to not to get into conversations. You know as well as I know that there's enough problems today, even in the very from world of divorces. Mom, nothing less than divorces that are caused by innocent people working in offices together, and uh, you know the rest. We don't have to. We don't have to expand on what happens. Is a girl has to know that even if she's in a job where she's working for a man, a from man, a from firm, she has to be. You know, no chatting. She has to be as little as you know as tsunu as possible. And halavai, she should be able to work for them, working from home, working. You know, working from the computer at home. There's a ton of women. In my Kahila, there's a lot of women that have jobs, American jobs. They work seven, eight hours, you know, on the computer. They're at home. They're in, in the protected surroundings. It'd be a lot better if a, a woman can get a computer job where she could sit at home or she could sit and not have to sit in an office with people. And even if she has to Zoom with the other men, it's still a different story. It's still a whole different thing. But if she's working in an office, she has to realize that the Avera, that especially in today, where it needs so little to trigger off a man's Yitzhahara, it needs so little to trigger off the Nesionis of a man, where if she is there as a mitchell in the in the business in, in the in the office of causing other men of errors a terrible thing so she has to minimize what she speaks to the people about politeness yes but nothing nothing more than that if she can get her computer her corner she get a corner where she can do her own work in the corner and if she starts like that people won't bother her and if people do 
bother her and they see that she just doesn't, you know, she just doesn't answer, is they'll, is they'll leave her alone. She has to realize that, again, in today's society, she can never know where a two-minute chat that she had to a man, he, she, she, she should know that she can't know what's going on in his mind. She can't know where that, what that's triggering off. And she can't know how many virus a person can be led to because of a three-minute chat that he had, an innocent chat that he had with her. That's the so, way it is today. Big Nisayan, Big Nisayan, you're talking about people who work in the same place for many years. So, you know, the relationship can automatically. Okay, I guess everybody has to know where they are and be mechazic themselves. We, we were the, the, the question was addressed to me as girls looking for jobs. So that was the that was the, the answer was given to a girl that's not in an office now who's looking for a job who, or was about to begin in an office job or something. These are the these these are the the the, the shmir that she that, that she has to take on. But even people who are you know working for years, you must realize that there's a deterioration of this in in, in kedusha over the last decade, over the last ten years, or perhaps fifteen. So you know somebody says, "What? Well, I've already been doing this for twenty years." You have to realize that the generation, you know, the the the, the decline in sneers and in kedusha, the generation is just getting worse and worse. So even if somebody was working in the same office uh, office ten years ago, you know it's a different story today. Very good. So here's another question: I've been struggling with watching things that from people shouldn't be doing during watching since my bar mitzvah. I've never spoken to anybody about it. It has become my second nature now, and I'm starting to date and getting ready to get married. Where do I start? The first answer is I don't know this person who he is. The first person, the first answer is that he has to yes speak to somebody about it. If he has a rov, if he has a machanach, or if he has parents that are very understanding, he needs help. He needs urgent. He needs help. The other thing he has to know is that it's not going to help him today. It's not going to help him to get married because if he doesn't, he doesn't slowly start getting off therapy to get off these things. So marriage is not going to be a solution to the problem. Um, you know, he has to SOS. Some some exactly. think that when they make, they make sure to want to make sure to marry a nice girl, so that all the problems will fall away. Is that true? No, it depends how bad it was before. In other words, if they're on it for a while already, this guy's this Bach is saying he's been on these things since his bar mitzvah. So since his bar mitzvah, he's definitely whoever he's going to marry, she's definitely not going to match everything that he's seen, and therefore this is proven. And I know this from dealing with people and dealing with younger light. And I know people who are Talmudian of mine that have been married for many years and they have a family of children that they're still struggling with this. And still, not just some struggling, but they're still addicted and it's a terrible thing. He needs desperate help. And again, not to despair. He needs to speak to somebody about it and uh, somebody that he can trust. If it's a parent or somebody else, and he can, he, you know, a person can be helped. But the first thing he has to do is he has to ASAP, without further, without further delay, he has to start getting, you know, and him himself, he has to start making gedarm if it's saying for the next hour, I'm not going on it. For the next two hours, I'm not going on it. And then always got to say for 24 hours, I'm just going to not going. I'm going to put my phone away for the next 24 hours. He's got to, you know, if I, if he wants to somehow contact me, you can tell, you can give him my number, you know, you can give him the, the way that we can contact me. And uh, the greatest of pleasure, I'll, I'll speak to him. But uh, he has to know that it's not something that's going to just dissolve and disappear after he gets married. If he doesn't ca take care of it, it's just going to not, it's not, it's not going to leave him for the rest of his life. And uh, and again, he mustn't feel terrible heavily. He mustn't fall into years. These things can be helped. He's got to go in very small steps, baby steps of a day. I know it's worked wonders for people. Okay, I'm sure I'm sure so this doesn't matter to the next question. Somebody sent a very tough question over here. 
I've been an essay support group for many years with this with this issue. I don't know what essay. I don't know what essay means. People that uh, they go to a support group that suffer from looking okay. appropriately. Okay. And, um, he struggles every single day. He wants to know what Hashem wants from us. He makes it so hard. He's in serious. Every time he walks in the street, every time he sees a TV show, he goes to support a game or anything. Feels it's almost impossible to protect himself in today's world and environment. What could he do to be mechazek himself? If a person would tell him that is. If he goes to takes he drives on a jeep for two hours and he starts digging, he's eventually going to find gold. There's a gold mine there, and he's working hard, and it's in the desert, and he's digging and digging, he's digging, and he says to himself, "What does my friend want from me? Why is he telling me to do this? I'm sweating, it's hot, I'm tired, I've got a headache." And the friend says, "Just dig a bit more, dig a bit more," and eventually he hits. And eventually he hits gold. The Nasionis that we're going through today, if Hashem would open up Gan Eden, and if Hashem would open up and show what the Nachas Ruach that Hashem gets from every bit of Nasionis and from the, 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 the Gan Eden that a person gets for every Hisgabris that a person has, he would choose this himself. You know, this is, we all mamin in Hashem that Hashem has the best, Hashem wants the best for us. And uh, the, 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 it says, is there's so much Choshech in this generation. And if a person clings to a bit of awe, a person can feel the tiny. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example that I had in yeshiva. This is a nice example, and everybody should hear this example. There's a kid that needed to go. He was addicted to going to town every day, to going to Ben Yehuda and Yerushalayim and going there every day, and he couldn't hold back. One day, he decided, one day, whatever, I gave a whole share on this, on, on this issue. He sneaked out, and he was on his way down the hill to catch the bus. And uh, he hears the bus coming, and he says to himself, go back to yeshiva, go back to yeshiva, go back to yeshiva. And uh, the bus comes, and he's the only guy standing there on the stop. So the bus, if it's going to stop, it's going to stop for him. <laughs> and he doesn't know what to do. And he doesn't walk back to the yeshiva. And the bus stops. And the bus opens the doors. And this kid puts one foot on the bus. And you know what he does? He turns around. The driver must have thought he was crazy. But he turned around, and he walked back to yeshiva. And he said in his life, he never had such a night sailor in his life. In his life, he never had such a tiny of his night sailor. Hashem gives these nisyanis, but Hashem gives the feeling of accomplishment which is unbelievable. A person can feel a kiras alakim. If he only is misgaber a few times, he'll start feeling the most unbelievable kiras alakim. It's the guy with the spade who's hit gold, who's struck gold. So it's the same advice. Just hold on and just be misgaber. It's not that I have to, I have to be misgaber, I have to go to this horrible life for the next 60 years <laughs> and then who knows it's be good. No, no, no. The pleasure, the spiritual pleasure of a person that's misgaber is imminent. And I have these stories midayam bayam in yeshiva with guys. They come back, they said they had a shmir sanai and they went to town to pick up something from a town, office in town, they came there and back to Shemir Sanam, they said they felt like in the Kodesh Kadoshim. Yom Kippur is not the same feeling as they felt. They felt so happy. They felt such a care of So it's not that Hashem pulls us through, pushes us into such difficult scenarios and then just doesn't give us the feedback. We get the feedback. And the feedback today is if you're Mizgaber, it's like we said earlier, it's like finishing a Masechta. And just like the same Sipuk and accomplishment a person has when he finishes a Masechta, he can have from, from, from being Mizgaber over any Yitzhahara. So it's not, it's in, he feels Hashem's kirva all the time. Very good. I just want, before we end, I just want to ask what, what would you tell for those who feel it's not a problem for them? There's a few questions that came in. I'm going to read them. One is I'm married. I feel that my wife overall, we have a good relationship. What's really the problem if I'm not matbid about where I look or talk to women? It's a normal part of society in today's world. I understand that we're, we're taught that it's a problem, but he doesn't see why. And the different person asked, I understand there are some, some things that are not allowed and considered to a big avera, a big sin, but I don't feel it affecting my life in any way. So what would the Rav tell these people? 
The answer to this is, I wonder if these people have ever felt what it means, a real tainug in Hashem, what it means, a real Shabbos, what it means, the real spiritual tainug that a person can have of a dominic. You see, in today's society, again, we're going to finish, because, I mean, it's a long conversation. There's a lot of people that feel that they're really the best Jew possible. They come into Daven every day. They catch a minion, you know, one of these 25-minute shachrises. They don't know what's wrong with that. And then they, you know, they they learn one or two Mishnais. They go to Dafayim Mishay and they fall asleep after the, when, 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 when the Magadshay gets to the third, fourth line. And they feel that they're mamish the best Jews possible. Unfortunately, these Jews have never really felt what a tiny than Davening is. You know, they go to a tzaddik and they see what, what a tiny than a davening is. They, they, they go to a tzaddik and they see what a Shabbos is, what a Kiddush Friday night is, what a Koyachsev is. The emotional, the emotional attachment that a person can feel to Hashem. The problem of, in a lot of societies today is that people feel that they're religious Jews when they, when they have very little connection to Hashem whatsoever. And I'll tell you something that's even more, nebuch, more severe than that. There's people that are learning and learning in Koyla that have no connection to Hashem. They have no connection to Hashem. And the people that are asking a question, you know, I talk to girls, I talk to women, I'm married, I do this, I do the other. I don't feel there's anything lacking in my Avodah Hashem. The question is if they really have ever felt what real Avodah Hashem is, what real connection is. There's a lot of people that are doing the motions and they're doing, you know, somebody once took me around a shul in America and he opened the door and says, this is where we do the daf. And I realized that doing the daf means he's never really felt the tainag of what it means to learn a daf gemara. If you're doing the daf, oh, this is where we do shachris. <laughs> He's never really felt what it is. If a person would get up in the morning, if a person would just have one day where he'd go to mikvah just one day before davening, and he'd learn before davening, he'd learn a daf gemara before davening, he'd learn a chasidish sefer before davening, and then he'd start davening karbona slowly, and the rest of davening, he'll start singing psukas zimra instead of flying through in five minutes, he'll spend 15, 20 minutes in it. He'll start before the before the people come to shul, and when he gets to shmon esrei, he joins the minion. Afterwards, he'll feel what a davening is, then all these questions will be answered. A person that's obviously talking, doesn't see what's wrong in talking to women or seeing inappropriate, inappropriate things on, just shows he's not connected. So he's doing the motion. He thinks all Judaism is based on his Jews doing the motion. It's a shame and it's a tsar and it's, it's really a tragedy for people that are feel that they're fully religious Jews and doing the motions, they're doing a lot and they don't feel anything, they're not connected. It's impossible for a person to look at inappropriate things and to speak to a lot of women. It's impossible for them to feel any tainuk in 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 because you can't feed it doesn't work but it doesn't work both ways it comes to a shabbos does he has he ever felt what it means to say shirim has he ever felt what it means really to make kiddush and to sing zmiris and to come at a beautiful shabbos table to watch his wife lighting shabbos candles and see and see how beautiful how spiritual it all is and people today are, are there's so many people there's multitudes of from yidin who think they're from, and they are from to a degree, they're not Mechal Shabbos, Chas and they do have certain Kriyas Itan Torah, but they're disconnected. And it's the only way to connect to Hashem is through Kedusha, is through Shmira, is through Zahiris. The word bris is a covenant, it's a connection. And a person that has a Shmira in areas of connection, he's connected. A person who has no Shmira in areas that connecting to Hashem, he's not connected. All mitzvahs bring connection. But there's one mitzvah where the connection is the mitzvah. And that is the mitzvah of bris. The word bris means covenant. So that mitzvah is not a mitzvah that brings you to connection. The mitzvah is the connection. So a person who lives his life of kedusha to the best of his ability, he can feel connection. A person who doesn't should not fool himself into thinking that he is the best possible Jew and he's totally disconnected to spirituality. And as I said, again, there's people who are learning full day 
and they're still not they're not feeling and they don't know what they're missing. A person who's numb, he doesn't know what he's missing to feel. If a person lives his life with Shmira and with Kedusha, he's going to feel Tainugan God, he's going to feel a pleasure in his Avodah Hashem, he's going to feel a connection, he's going to feel a Tainug, which is a Tainug Nitzri, an eternal Tainug. And without Kedusha, he's going to be able to do things, but it's not the time, he's just, there's no time to it. And that's the answer to those questions. Okay, Rabbi Zucker, let's just do one last <clears throat> one last live question and then we're going to go to closing, if that's okay? Yeah. Okay, you're on. Hi, thank you very much. Um, you know, in the Beis Yaakov system, there's a lot of pressure in regard to Sneas or Achrayas as far as Shmir Sinayim. Um, you know, just in general, our responsibility as far as Sneas goes. And then when we move on and we become kalas and we get married, and we become wives, it kind of shifts, like, you know, to please the husband, to, um, to you know, to be the focus for the husband so that they don't look elsewhere, etc. And our Christ becomes more to our husband, um, you know, and then it gets into this gray area of like different sensitivities as far as, you know, the, the difference between breaking sensitivities and halacha. Can you address a little bit of this topic as far as like what's our achrayis as women? Um, you know, is, there, is it our responsibility if we're doing something that's not against halacha, but maybe that looks better or that's something nicer or like what's our achrayis as women? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not getting exactly what the question is. Achrayas in terms of what? A man, uh, causing a man to look. Oh, okay. Uh, so the first thing is, this is before a woman, a girl gets married. The first thing is a person, a lot is in the Bisyaka system, indeed, they talk a lot about Sinis, they talk a lot about, 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 about these things. The main focus should be, the main focus should be that a girl is a basmelach. And the main focus has to be not just, you know, coming down on the, on the importance of Zahir, Sunat Sneer, Sunat Sneer, you mustn't look like this, you mustn't dress like this, you mustn't, you mustn't, you mustn't, you mustn't, you mustn't. The focus has to be on giving a girl a feeling that she's a queen, giving a girl a feeling of kol kvoida basmelach panima, that she's a basmelach. You know, if there'd be a princess and the, and, and the king speaks to his daughter, the princess, and he says to her about, you know, you're a princess, and therefore this is the way you should dress, this is the way you should keep away, and this is the way this is, the girl feels uplifted, the girl feels, wow, I'm really something special. And this is really what the conversation should be, you know, when in, in the Besiyaka system. And I know there's a lot of heroes and a lot of halachas and a lot of measurements, the measurements of this and the measurements of that. And there's a lot of technical, which is all important. The girls have to know the halacha. But the girls also have to be told that they're, that how special they are and called basmelech panima, that they're really a basmelech. And that gives them a lot of, you know, it gives them a lot of encouragement that they want to be tsunua, that they want to be tsunua because they really feel very special. And when it comes to after marriage, now, obviously, you know, Tznias is in the home. There also, be a, also has to be a level of Tznias called Kvoida Basmelech Panima means that even if she's at home, she also has to be a Basmelech. But obviously, there's different requirements and there's different things to meet for the husband. But one thing's got to, nothing to do with the other. On the contrary, because after the marriage, there's only certain things that she has to do for her husband. So nothing changes when she's not with her husband. Nothing changes when she goes out. The same tzniyas that's necessary not to lure other people to look at her, not to lure other people to wear certain color clothes, to wear a certain sheikh. You know, the same thing is not to lure other people 
still exists after the marriage. Whatever she does with her husband, whatever she does behind closed doors, you know, with her husband, is that's between her and her husband. And she has to, you know, she has to dress accordingly. She has to, you know, make her husband feel good with her. She has to give him her pasquasale. But I don't see what that what that's got to do with how that changes her responsibility when she's when she's going out. You know, a woman mustn't look a schlaf. A woman, anyways, has to look respectable. A woman has to look respectable. You know, when she goes out, she should always go out, you know, fully dressed. And this is something that needs to be addressed as well. There's a lot of women that take the kids out to, you know, take the to the to the to the bus that's taking them to school. And again, they go out there and they they go out to Sanua, but they don't go out, you know, they, they can go out in a certain way where they wouldn't really normally go out of the house. And they feel it's just going out, waiting, you know, waiting for the bus to pick the kids up. This is a responsibility of a of a, of a Jewish woman must dress a calling. And even she's going out of the house for five minutes. There's no heta to go out of the house ever if that's going to entice people to look at her so she's got to be you know outside on guard all the time but it's got to she's got to have a feeling that she's a princess she's a bas melech and a bas melech at all times has to be you know has to be has to be dressed accordingly but in terms you know in terms of the husband on the contrary in terms of the husband that's one world that's one parasha that's one world in terms of the rest of the world nothing changes before the chasna or after the chasna so i'm making this point clear i had a bit of a misunderstanding what you what you mean about things changing after the chasna no it was, it was beautiful Married it. Okay, let's go to the closing now. Okay, first of all, waking up early in Israel, giving the oil chizik, coming here, it was Mordek. We have a lot more to ask, but uh, the night the night is long and late by us. The day is early by you. Thank for coming on. Um, think of the closing of Rezuka. Now they have to add that good hour and a half, two hour shear. Now you can think of a good mice, a chizik to leave us open. Give us a minute, we'll get there. Again, tonight's shear, I just wanted to again mention again, Keshinam, she's an unbelievable organization that uh, helps Families dealing with uh, struggling children, giving them chizik, and uh, they're doing a fundraiser now on charity this week. It's going to be you know, trying to raise money to really help families. People give them a drachah, they come for Shabbos, they, they really advise them, and it's very personally involved with the organization. I have a lot uh, invested in them, and uh, please try to help them. It's really something that really goes a long way. Tonight's year is 132. Again, if anybody wants to join, get the flyers every week, please WhatsApp me at 848. 525-0066. Again, that's 848-525-0066. You can go to menachemberfield.com and you can sign up to get the weekly emails as well. If anybody's here the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30, we have different Zoom topics, shirim, rabbonim, therapists. The leaders of clients will come here. So please join us. Next week, we have Shlomo Slatkin from Baltimore. He's a certified Imago relationship therapist, advanced clinician. He runs certified Imago workshops. And uh, the program is going to be finally, so the topic is finally, fix your relationship and the problems that might save your marriage. Imago therapy, a fresh approach to, to marriage counseling. Um, I'm not so familiar with it, but I heard it's unbelievable. So please join, let people know about it. It can be a tremendous physic. Everything is recorded tonight. It's on menachembarenfall.com. You could uh, listen to it there. If anybody has any questions for Rabbi Zucker, please email coachmenachem at gmail.com. We'll forward any questions or anything you have for Rabbi Zucker. I'm a chairman of Yaslam, your husband, when he has time. Um, tonight's share is 132. You can listen on the phone number from, uh, later tonight at 848-777-GROW. That's 848-77-GROW. And again, thank you to all the advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop, Ellie and Ariel from Five Town Central, Kyla Kaplan from JCN. I want to say, Rabbi Zucker, tonight was Moiridik. It was really, really Moiridik. And it was a tremendous chizik. The island was involved and we really covered a lot. I'm going to go first to Coach Menachem to give a wrap up. And then Rabbi Zucker, leave the oil. Okay, let's go to Menachem then before, before you speak. I'll ask something. Coach Menachem, let's go. Closing. Um, again, this is a topic that needed to be spoken about. And um, especially for those that think that it's not Negev for them, like we discussed, it's a, 
it's a deep conversation for those who have given up understand that this is pockets this is something that we can't give up there's no um, there's no giving up over here this is as long as we continue um, growing and connecting become closer to Hashem and sometimes that could tell us where we are if somebody feels it's not negative for him and it is what it is then like we heard it could be he's he, he's taka lost and uh, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to come back and this is the work step by step like we heard baby steps so Mitz Hashem everybody should be able to use again everybody in their madrega wherever they are to take it to the next level and we should be able to implement these ideas. Keep on struggling because that's what we're looking for. I'm saying we don't have to struggle, we don't have to look for the struggle, but the struggle itself is the avoider. So if somebody feels he's struggling, shouldn't say it's not for me because I'm forget. You're in it. Hashem should give us all koyach and the shkoyach again for the chizik. Shkoyach. So before you go to the closing, a chizik, a retire, whatever you want to give. I, want to, I, I heard the Rebbe Zukkach, you have to be a highly geed that you're a kosher yid and you're a holy person. Please give the ilm, all the hundred people that come here and spend Sunday night. We want a bracha from Rebbe Zukkach for everybody and then give a closing. I'm not going to keep everybody for long. It's late for you. I just, I'm going to close with a story. With the story that I had of a, of a, of a time. I want a bracha. <laughs> There's somebody that comes from a very good family in America and never, he slipped, he slid off the derech. He walked into a restaurant in Florida or California, I can't remember where it was. And uh, he was completely, this time, really, really off the derech, but really off the derech, also in principle, beshitta. And he walked into a totally trefer restaurant and uh, he gave his credit card and he ordered like this nice big dish of total of complete treif. And they brought it to his table and he picked up the fork and he dug the fork into this piece of trefer meat. And then suddenly he said to himself, I just can't eat that meat. I'm a yid. I can't eat that meat. He got up. He left the restaurant. And he walked out and he became a Balchuva. What a yid is. We have to realize we don't have the Kedusha. Every yid, however low he's gone. He's such a yid. Like we said earlier, when answering one of the questions. A yid can never not be a yid. And the amount of people that have become from, from feeling that they're a yid, from feeling that they can't go any lower. I heard once from Abiyaka Ma'ashechta, he's a very big tzaddik, lives here in Yushalayim, an old wrestler of a chassid. And he said he knows of a yid that went so low, so low, that he made a cheshman. He said, you know what? As a Jew, I can't go any lower. And he said, it's time to go up. And Abiyaka Ma'ashechta said, he knows this guy is a very chashiv rosh kol here in Yushalayim. A yid is a yid. There's no such thing as a yid becoming a goy. And there's no such yid as a, as, no such thing as a yid going too far away. On the contrary, there's a pasuk in Novi. On the contrary, a, a yid, a bachar, a girl, a married guy, a yid who feels that he's far from Hashem. That's where the real pangs set in to get closer to Hashem. And we say in the Akeda, we lay this, we lay this on Rosh Hashanah. Avram Avinu was walking to Hara Maria and he says, He saw the place from far. And this was the Akeda. The Akeda is the mysterious nefesh. The mysterious nefesh that every yid has by living, by being alive in our generation. The mysterious nefesh that every yid has for Hashem. And as I've told you, 
that if we wouldn't be a yid, it would be so much worse. <laughs> we can't dream of things that are going on in a goy's mind. At least us yidin, even if chas v'shalom, a bocher, a married person, is nichshal, but he has a charata straight away. The Gemara says that rishayim meleim charata. We always have charata. We're always talking to Hashem. We're always saying, Hashem, halavai, I wouldn't have done this. You have to appreciate what it means to be a yid, what it means to be a yid at your core, at your essence. And from there, from there, you have to climb up and you have to say, if it means so much to Hashem that we're a yid, if it means so much to Hashem, is then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I can do it. And a yid will don't try and become a goy. I heard this from a secular Israeli that I met in England. He said, he told me, he said his dream growing up as a secular Jew was to become a goy. And he said, if I would have stayed in Israel, I'd have always dreamt about becoming a goy. I would always remain secular. He says, I came to England and I started living with a goyim. Then I, then I realized that a Jew just not, cannot become a goy. Then I realized what a yid is. And then I could become from. So therefore, as much as you've fallen, as much as you feel that you're, you're despairing, Hashem is still looking to you. Everybody should have tremendous chizuk. In these last moments, just hold on just a little bit longer. Mashiach is so close. He's so close, you can't imagine. And when Mashiach comes, you know what? Sadiqim said that when Mashiach comes and everything's going to get easier. When Mashiach comes, all the Nisyonis are going to go away. All the Yetzirahars are going to go away. Sadiqim said that we're going to miss the Yetzirahars. And that's why the Gemara and Sukkah says, the Gemara and Sukkah in the last parak says the Gemara that the greatest eulogy that's ever going to be given is the eulogy when Hashem is going to shech the Yetzirah. What's the eulogy? <laughs> why is he going to have the eulogy? We should be dancing on his blood. But the answer is because the Yetzirah gave, gives us and has given us so many opportunities. And the only way to ta tackle him is to remain besimcha. And that's why I always say that that Gemara about shechting the Yitzhahara and eulogizing the Yitzhahara is a Gemara in the last parak of Sukkah. And the Gemara in parak HaChala that deals with the Simchas Besasheim. Because the only way the Yitzhahara is going to get shechted is if a Yid has Simcha in his life. If a Yid has Simcha knowing that he's with Hashem. Oiz v'chedva b'mkoymoy, says the Pasuk. If a Yid realizes that we're always in the company of Hashem. A Yid always has to be besimcha. Must never lose his Simcha for one minute. Has to jump and has to dance. And if he feels down, listen to a Lebedekanigan. Listen, go to a chasna, as we said. Listen to a Lebedekanigan. And the more he's simcha, the more he's shechting his Yetzirah. We should be zorcham et Hashem to everybody should have chizuk in the last moments of Golas. And I give a bracha to all you wonderful people. Osher. Coach Menachem, to everybody else who's behind the scenes organizing this wonderful thing, you should have continued, continued, continued that slach and everything you're doing. And the schus of all the chizik and Yiddish they say is all the Beistein, should be Megan and Hashem, that you should be zorcher to have only lechte Yiddish nachas and only simchas in your own homes. And you should be zorcher to have holy Yiddish nachas, mikol yetzach from all your children. And the Hashem, you should continue more and more people and branching out. There's no end, no end to the people that need help, and there's no end to how technology can help people. So, Mr. Hashem, continue that way to Sakhoidish, and it's been a big schuss to meet you. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful. See everybody, Hashem, next time, same place, February 19th, from Shlomo Zlatkin, Slatkin, Mago Therapy. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good morning to everybody. Good night to everybody else. <laughs> Thank you so much. Kaltov, Kaltov.